On this episode, we discuss Serenity. Based on the hit show Firefly. <laughs> no, not that one. Oh, what is what what, what do we watch? Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey, Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. This is Elliot Kalin, and I'm joined by a very special guest, our friend and everyone else's friend, even though she's <laughs> never been on the show before, Jenny Jaffe, everybody. <laughs> hey, guys. Jenny Jaffe, for people who aren't familiar from the many podcast appearances she's made on other podcasts, yes. is a comedy guru, I guess you could say. Wow. Yeah, wow. And really like, uh, they call her like a, an institution in the world of comedy. Wow. Yeah. yeah no, I'm very old. <laughs> I gotta, I have to ask, a guru to whom? Who uh, are her yeah, who, well, you acolytes? Have that, you have that comedy school, right? I do. Okay. Yeah. I have, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's out of the back of my house, and it's like mostly my dog, but like he can oh. be a guru for sure. Yeah, it's called Backhouse Dog School for Comedy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have a house going to brag on the podcast. <laughs> uh, Los Angeles is a magical place. Yeah, you can buy houses there. It's amazing. Uh, Jenny, I think we I think we first got to know you through the Star Wars Minute podcast. Yeah, I think we, it's funny. I think we were like legitimately fans of each other's podcast appearances because I've been a flapper for like. Since the flop house started, mm-hmm. no, weird. I'm sorry. So this is like a no. It's a I, I appreciate that. Um, it's no. It's a this is like a crossover episode for me in my own in my own personal life. Um, <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, but I uh, yeah I was I like Star Wars minute, and then I did like an episode with Dan and Stewart, and then I wrote a thing mm-hmm. for you, and then mm-hmm. we oh, that's started. right. Yeah, well, you, you wrote a thing for me for President's Pot for yeah. the President's people too. Yeah. So it's and and Jenny and I've been working together on a project that we hope to announce someday, someday. Um, a television project. Uh, so, but she's here to talk to us about uh, what movie, Dan, or what do we do on this podcast, Dan? Uh, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie uh-huh. and then we talk about it. Oh yeah. And I don't want to tip my hand, but why do we watch this movie for the podcast, oh, guys? Wow, yeah. I mean, this is this is a story about a war veteran who is trapped <laughs> on a, trapped on a boat called Serenity. <laughs> That's right. Oh, that starring Nathan Fillion. So I same saw jo- this same joke as the intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but what about this joke? Uh, Joss Whedon made it. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, hilarious. Good stuff. Okay. Well, I've never watched Firefly, so that's as much as I know about <laughs> about Firefly and Serenity. Um, mm-hmm. So, this, so Dan, uh, we there's this movie that called Serenity that came out. Uh, yeah. This, is, this might be <laughs> the I, shortest. That, we don't usually need to explain that part of movies, Elliot, <laughs> so, so, anyway, actors got in front of cameras, and they <laughs> oh, said okay. these lines, and then they edited it together into a movie, and then they released it. But when they released it, they barely advertised the movie. Uh, oh, that's it's almost right. as if they didn't want people to see this movie. And the amazing thing is that Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, the stars of this movie. Elliot, they- I have a question. Is it because the movie was, in fact, too hot for TV? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly the case. Yep. Okay. They, could only sell, they could only sell it through mail order on a TV commercial late at night. Uh, I remember news at the time saying that the stars of the movie were upset that the movie was not getting it, the promotion they thought it was – they had been promised it would get. 
And the reason it didn't get the promotion it was supposed to get was because test audiences disliked the movie so much that they were just <laughs> yeah. trying to, to bury it. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember, I like, I, I actually saw the trailer for this because I'm the kind of person who sits around watching a bunch of trailers on the computer. <laughs> I like that you said that, Dan, as if we didn't yeah, yeah. already during, uh, that. During work hours, right? <laughs> uh, no comment. And no, no, Dan, Dan's work hours are mainly spent tweeting whatever comes into his head. <laughs> he makes it up as he goes along. <laughs> like everyone's Twitter is not whatever comes into your head. Not carefully curated uh, jokes and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to defend um, Dan's Twitter presence. I think it's been great so far. Wow. Lately, oh, no. it's been Thanks. so oh, no. good. That's, that's a very hot take. <laughs> <laughs> bad guest alert. Bad guest alert. <laughs> no, I appreciate the support for once against you two bullies. <laughs> but... What was I saying? Oh, I saw so the trailer. You, so and, you're, you're the kind uh, of guy who sits it, at home watching trailers on your computer in your underpants. Yes. Yeah. And how'd you <laughs> I, find it? Thanks for the improv assist. I <laughs> I kind of found the trailer kind of intriguing and like big stars mm-hmm. and all this stuff. I'm just like, oh, okay. Maybe I'll take a look at that when it comes out. And yeah, then yeah. So I had yeah, no idea. You, you went over, you copied the link to comingsoon.net, <laughs> uh, sent it to mom with the caption, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> my, my mother lives half of, half of the country away. I don't know why I'm making a serenity date with her. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's into video games and shit. Spoiler alert. Yeah, but the, the point <laughs> Whoa, is... I just whoa, Big spoilers, too. Uh, but the point is, Dan, you saw it and you said, I can't wait to see this movie. This is going to be great. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but I was interested. And then I had no idea that the movie had come and gone in the theaters when it finally arrived. So there is... Okay. There, speaking of moms and serenity, there is no movie that I feel like I received as much advance warning from people oh this is going to be a flophouse movie as this and my mom who she just follows annie hathaway on google probably i think Did you say prob- annie hathaway well because Anne hathaway you are probably familiar yes went to school went to my high school a year behind me it oh, only comes up on the flophouse all the time jenny oh okay but well, uh, uh, <laughs> but so so we and we because yeah, you guys you guys used to date you have a torrid history right <laughs> uh, yeah yeah used to, used to date best friends still blood brothers uh the <laughs> She, we, oh, everyone wow. used to call her Annie. So my mom still says like, oh, Annie has a new movie out and stuff like that. And But I never really knew her. The So she's like, she's like, did you see this movie Annie's in? You should, it sounds like you should do this on the Flophouse. And was sending me, and it's like, my mom has never re- recommended a movie for the Flophouse before. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. But uh, Yeah, so, and she didn't even win a contest or anything. <laughs> I was like, mom, you got you to gotta win a poorly defined contest. You're going to tell us what's going to be on the show. But Jenny, you, when I, I mentioned this movie and you were, Chomping at the bit, or as Dan would say, because he's a pedant, champing at the bit. You you were like, I got to talk about this movie. You love it so much. I was. Well, so I saw it in theaters having also like, I think I just read some article that was like, this is one of the most bizarre movies I've ever seen in theaters. And I was like, great, I'm going. So I took my friend Casey and we went to, it was only showing at either 3 p.m. or 11 p.m. in Burbank. (laughs) So we went at like 11 p.m. And it was really clear that half the audience were um, sort of hipster jerks like us who really wanted to laugh at a bad movie and the other half were people who were like oh boats and stars let's see what this is about and so we, yeah. you can and, smell the salt water coming off their Tommy Bahama shirts like I haven't been this excited about a movie since that one with Robert Redford where it's just him on a boat the whole movie <laughs> yep uh, oh, oh, I we were. Say, old man of the gun which is about him being an old man oh wait is there a gun in it 
<laughs> there is also a gun. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, uh, but so thinking of all is lost. That's the name of it. All is lost. <laughs> yeah, yes. Otherwise known as Robert Redford gets hit in the face with water for an hour and a half and nobody <laughs> says anything. <laughs> Jenny, so you went to see it. So half, went, so half went to see audience. the movie. Half the audience just didn't know what they were in store for. Uh, and the, it was the most like amazing communal theater going experience I've ever had. It was like truly we all were so unified by the end. Like the people who were there for something good were like cheering and laughing <laughs> and like the, it was became this interactive experience. And then we all like uh, outside right right outside the theater um, just all met up to talk about it and make sure we'd all seen what we thought we'd and, seen. And you're still friends? You can still keep in touch with all the people mm-hmm. from that theater. That we day, are right? all Instagram friends. <laughs> we are large, and I did like immediately text Elliot as I'm yeah. sure many people did. And then I think I did Jordan Jesse go like two days later and Jordan Morris and I were you talked a lot about people. it. We had we talked a lot about that was, it. That, yeah. but, and if anyone's a fan of Jordan Jesse Go or not, that Jenny's episode's mm-hmm. a great episode. Thank you. You should watch it. There's some really funny stuff in there. Adults. Oh, uh, watch it. <laughs> Are you my it. dad? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so turn so set your TiVo or whatever to Jordan Jesse Go in case there's a rerun of it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I was really excited to watch it, and then Jordan gave me a poster of Serenity for my birthday. <laughs> oh, wow, that's very nice. it was super nice. I'm gonna the, frame it. Is the poster is that is that the official poster? The one they use uh, as a thumbnail on Amazon with like yeah. their two faces split by like I don't know, like a bloody bloody boat wake or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like the boat is leaving blood in its wake, and oh. it's causing a rift between Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, who has different hair on the poster than she does in the movie, I think because they realized the blonde hair was a mistake, yeah, but like too late. They, uh, they, they, uh, well, they were trying. But Dan, what were they trying? Can you, Dan, I here's my challenge. I'm going to give you the serenity challenge. Hold serenity in your mouth for an entire uh-huh. episode of the podcast <laughs> okay. without spitting it out by telling us what happens in serenity. All right, so the movie opens underwater, and then, and then it like zooms out over the water toward a boat, while the music swells as if a boat in the ocean is the most ominous. Oh, wait. Well, real quick, thing. Dan. Dan, how did we get to that water? It, it, it's isn't it through a child's eye? Yes, don't we see oh, a child's yes. eye okay. and then zoom in to find the water? But you're right. The, okay. I was like right off the bat that that boat is in the water, and the music is like do 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 do, and I was like, what, did I enter the middle of the movie? What, what happened? Yeah, yeah. And uh, just a correction, most movies begin underwater. It isn't until they start <laughs> selling tickets that they make their money back. All right. <laughs> Dumbest joke on the podcast? You decide. Uh, no, wonderful I'll take joke. it, whatever. I, I love uh, that Stuart, Stuart was doing whatever. the Whatever, you don't know me. Joke. You don't know my family. <laughs> Shit just got uh, so, real. So, Dan, you're, we're on the water, but what, who's on this boat? What is this boat? Boat? So, there's uh, four guys on this boat. Two of them aren't important. You won't see them again in the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, they're two drunk guys who have chartered the boat. And then the captain of the boat is our pal Matthew McConaughey, and he's got a second <laughs> mate played by uh, Jaiman Hansu. Is that and, the correct pronunciation of that uh, first I name? I think it's close. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, cl- it's close enough that we'll give you partial credit. Uh, how would you say it? I don't know. I'd have to Google it. Uh, all right. Uh, it's it's um, pronounced it's pronounced David Hansen. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, so uh, these guys. So, but what's, the boat. what's wait? But what's Matthew McConaughey's character's name? Do you remember? Oh yeah, I, I meant to say that his he is the ali- unlikely name of Baker Dill. <laughs> 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 the name of like a guy who puts herbs in his loaves, I guess. <laughs> 
<laughs> right off the bat, I do want to say this is the best McConaughey has ever looked, in my opinion. And I watched it. I've watched it with two female friends now, and we have both agreed this is a big waste of the best his arms have ever better been. Than Angels in the outfield, Matthew McConaughey. I like a grizzled McConaughey. I mean, better he, than you know, the beach bum. Be like, he's supposed to be like a wasted kind of like not beach bum exactly, but like like yeah, like always in the sun, like like throwing his life away with rum and things like that but he looks amazing he looks yeah. so good it's 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 almost wrong for this character he should have a big belly at this point yeah and like a grizzled beard but instead he's just got like he's in great shape he's just washing yeah. his butt all the time frequently yeah. frequently nude in the movie i mean yeah. he's kind of like like just imagine i'm a i'm a young boy he's kind of like what i would imagine my hot dad would look like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you would frequently be imagining your hot dad's butt if oh, yeah. you were a young boy. Like he also strikes Absolutely. me as, the kind, as he would be the kind of dad who just walks around with no clothes on all the time. Oh yeah, he's like I, one of those naked families. Yeah, like yeah. you can't have friends over really. No, because because your dad and, might walk through with his butt hanging out. <coughs> now, guys, it could have been a product of the the TV I was watching it on. But when when he strips down, it looks like he has a noticeable like whale tail tan line on his butt. <laughs> Where like it looks like he's he clearly wears a G string. Well, your thoughts, Elliot? <laughs> I mean, I can't. I couldn't sell, see that on my TV. I don't, I can't speak to the undergarment preferences of. Oh, McConaughey. maybe maybe I need, maybe I need to change my uh, TV settings. <laughs> yeah. Well, I but think, you have it on that whale tail setting, right? Where like no matter whose butt you're looking at, you're on motion smoothening and whale tailing. <laughs> you got to turn off both. Yeah. The, they set that at the factory because old people don't know what things are supposed to look like on their TVs. Oh no, I'm gonna get an angry email from Todd Vasiri on this one. <laughs> He's going to be like, I told you to turn off all your filters. All of them. All the settings. Uh, Dan, okay, so they're out on that boat. What are they doing out there, huh? What does Matthew McConaughey uh, do? What's his obsession? If he, his, Does he have one? His thing is he's a charter boat captain for mostly, I assume, rich assholes who want to go uh, big uh, fish fishing. I, there's a way of saying what? that. Like sport, like sport like- fishing. <laughs> they're like hunting for marlins and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, sport fishing. <laughs> okay, so he's. I mean, as there opposed to, to su- sustenance fishing, they're not going to eat the fish afterwards. Yeah, I mean, Wait. sometimes you do. Yeah, tuna, you do. Tuna, but like, do you eat? I guess. You, I guess yeah, you can eat any. No, but of them. Th- those guys, they're gonna they're gonna catch that big tuna and they're gonna lacquer it up so they can put it up over the over the couch in their den. Uh-huh. But don't you have to, don't yeah. you scrape out the insides and eat them first and then like stuff it or something? Uh, I truly don't know. <laughs> what? I think. I, I mean, I could be wrong. It seems like you'd kind of what? Then you like sew the fish's skin back together. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah. I don't know about that. I Wait, are you saying that the fish that are on the walls in bars and and whatever and and sing at you, they all have guts? Them? <laughs> well, the ones that sing yeah, don't yeah. have guts. That's the big. <laughs> Billy Basses don't have guts. Oh, yeah. Instead of really guts, they have mind. animatronic elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was once uh, yeah. a live fish before they <laughs> stuffed those in there. Yeah, it's a, it's like the death lock of fishes. It's just a it's a it's a cyborg now. Uh-huh. Uh, so Dan, so there's sport. He's he takes people out for sport fishing. But w- how does this trip go with these two drunk guys? Uh, well, he catches his uh, his dream fish, his his bet noir fish. Mm-hmm. Um, he, and uh, they're on the, what's, it's on the what's line. The name and of, what's the name of this famous tuna that he's always chasing? Justice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's so he's so uh, Captain Ahab over this tuna that he will not allow the sport fishermen to take over. He's like, get in the back, and he threatens him with a knife. And uh, he, we are introduced to the idea that Matthew McConaughey is a little crazy, particularly mm-hmm. when it comes to this fish. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Oh yeah, in his pursuit of justice is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And he's got this <laughs> he's fish on the line. Justice. 
he's, he's got this fish on the line. He thinks uh, it's all out of fight. Uh, he gets Shaman Hansu over to, you know, he's got a big hook. Uh-huh. He's going to hook that thing in. Yep. And it escapes. And Matthew McConaughey basically breaks down and wails at the heavens saying, uh-huh. why? <laughs> yep. Yeah. He does a lot of that in this episode, in this movie. He's a lot of yelling at the sky. Oh, also, um, because he's so obsessed with this tuna, these guys don't pay. And he's like, we introduced in these scenes to two important things about Matthew McConaughey. He wants this tuna and he's so obsessed with this tuna. He doesn't have any money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what does he do next? Is that when he goes to Diane Lane? I That's think so. what we see. We see that guy in the business suit on the beach. Uh, oh, yeah. There's this nerdy business suit guy. Wow. <laughs> He's clearly <laughs> played as a nerd, Stuart. <laughs> a little judgmental. <laughs> uh, the serious-minded fellow in glasses yeah, yeah, tries real. to wade out into the into the water in his suit for reasons we do not understand as of yet. Yeah, it's a real Edward We will Nygma never move. understand <laughs> that, that aspect of it. Why was he just going out in his full suit into the water? Well, the way, he's always trying to get to Matthew McConaughey, or Baker Dill, I should say. As we later Baker. learn, this suited man is trying to get Baker Dill's attention, but he's always just like a few seconds too late. Like, as ba- every time Baker Dill's boat is leaving the dock, this guy runs up and is like, Baker Dill! Baker Dill! Oh, yeah. And as we, 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 Dan, we, can we, you? When we learn the identity of this man, we realize, wait a minute, it doesn't make any sense that he's like late showing up to find <laughs> him. It doesn't make any but, sense, yeah. Yeah, Dan, also, can you rewind the tape when I made the, uh, the Edward Nigma joke? Can you change it to Clock King? Because I think it's more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it just keeps happening in a way that like halfway through the movie, I say to the TV, just go to his house and like... <laughs> And the yeah. next scene, that he just goes to his house and I finds think, him. I think house is being charitable, but we can go on. You know, okay. yeah, he lives in a, he lives in a giant shipping crate like Wally, <laughs> <laughs> but with uh, less stuff. Uh, so uh, this, I think this is speaking of houses. He goes to someone's house. Here. Well, so, uh, so I believe this is the point at which he gets into he manufactures a fight with his uh, trusty second mate. Because he's worried about the fact that he basically can't pay him anymore, or is, or is that later? That's a little bit later. Okay, That's a little sorry. later. First, first Baker Dill goes to his only source for reliable money in these troubled economic times. Yeah, mm-hmm. Diane Lane, uh, a character in this movie that does not pay off in any way. I, I mean, she pays off by giving him money. In exchange for <laughs> yeah, sex. That's true. And yeah. talking uh-huh. about and her cat a whole bunch. Yeah, it's weird. Uh-huh. She keeps talking about her cat, and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. That's 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 juvenile. But then she refer- she'll be watching him through her blinds. Because her only role in the movie is to have sex with Matthew McConaughey and then watch him through Venetian blinds as he – apparently mm-hmm. her window looks out on every part of the island <laughs> they lives in. Because no matter where he is, she can see him through her blinds and says like, there's my kitty. There's uh-huh. my cat. And I'm like, wait, so Matthew McConaughey was the cat? I don't understand. I thought she was referring to her vagina well, but she this whole also, time. There is also a literal cat. But I think that when you see oh, the cat. she does cat, have a real cat. Yeah, yeah. because Matthew yeah. McConaughey picks him up and is just like, I know where you're supposed to be. <laughs> Hold on, that wasn't it. <laughs> no, that was a great math. Actually, you know what I All well, right, all right. Sh- we should say something about the setting of this movie, Dan. So it's set where? Oh, the okay. So this is, this, this movie, at least to begin, and, you know, like not to spoil too much about, but you know there's a big twist coming. But so at the beginning of this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, um, I, I do want to... This... What? I, I really just quickly wanted to say what oh, okay. uh, Diane Lane's first line is. I'm so sorry. I this had to pull is, it we, up. We, we we meet them in uh, in media res while they're doing it. I, I had written it down. And I just had to look it up. And it's, I am increasingly fond of the way you say hello. 
<laughs> just had to say that real quick. Sorry about that. Okay. No, that's fine. Uh, I believe what I was saying that like to start this movie comes off as a classic slice of uh, sun drenched noir, sweaty is, noir. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be at uh, yeah down south. Although we l- later learn we don't know where Plymouth is. Tale of mm-hmm. sweat and sex and betrayal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it reminds me of a uh, Dan. If somebody queue like up new- black velvet on the uh, jukebox. Yeah. <laughs> this I want to introduce a new character that I've been thinking about uh, ever since I saw this movie. Uh, <clears throat> this is I don't know, okay. on this voice. This is a character I've invented called Crawdaddy. <laughs> <laughs> if it, if, oh, if I can introduce well, him here, he goes. I'm glad uh, you're workshopping not, it with us. I'd like to, if I could workshop this character for everybody. Okay, because this Ready. and then we can just send this in as my SNL audition tape. Mm-hmm. That'd be fantastic. Perfect. Okay. <clears throat> Well, well, it's me, Crawdaddy. I grew up in the Louisiana Bayou, but now I'm a Mm -hmm. suburban dad. In my youth, I wrestle gators. Uh Now I drive a Kia. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much the whole character. Wait, hold on. So wait, the fact that he is a daddy. So you're saying that there's something called a craw and he's a dad. Yeah. But so it's a play on the word Crawdaddy. Exactly. If I could explain some more. Okay. okay. Yes, please. (laughs) You know, growing up, uh-huh. sometimes the heat gets so bad you couldn't even blink. Now I bring uh, arm slices to the soccer games. Uh, now, why would the fact that he's a suburban dad change the heat? Well, because he doesn't live he in it. Well, like, like, so, let me explain. Explain. Yeah, okay, yeah. he moved away. I, grew, I, 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 he, I was, born, I was South, born in a shack in the bayou, but uh-huh. I moved to Connecticut for the school districts. <laughs> So he's a suburban dad now. Well, you guys can't uh-huh. see it, but Elliot, like, it's like his whole physique changed. Like, he's oh, melted yeah. into this character. Oh, this yeah. is a really good character. Yeah, imagine if you can imagine Dr. John. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's basically oh, what I, I can. Like I he's like yeah, a I musical he's like, Paul uh, Prudhomme. I, 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 well, exactly. he's basically uh, Dr. Teeth from Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Very but, much uh, so. he's, not, uh, he's not a puppet, though, right? <laughs> no, well, no, no. He's a live-action character. Yeah, so that's it. That's that's pretty much the character. Yeah, I don't know. I can go on if you want. No, it's uh, I guess fine, I was I just looking for one more. I- well, well, well. Let's just climb into my fan boat so we can get over to that PTA meeting. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so anyway, that's my character, Crawdaddy, who was inspired by this movie. Uh, didn't know. So- uh, didn't know there was a lot of fan boats in Connecticut. But <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, it's towed. Uh, it's on a tow on his car. Oh, <laughs> on, yeah. the, on the Kia on the oh, Kia yeah. Sportage that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> Still, I mean, it doesn't sound safe. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to ride in those if it's on uh, on a flatbed on attached to your Kia, but that's okay. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's, again, Crawdaddy plays by his own rules. Uh, uh, except, I, nah, growing up, well, I did. You got to play by your own rules. But I also <laughs> okay. have to follow the Homeowners Association guidelines, <laughs> and that's why I can't have a basketball hoop in the driveway. <laughs> so anyway, that's my character, Crawdaddy. So. Okay, uh, so to go to return to the movie <laughs> for a mo- for a moment at least. Um, so you know McConaughey now that he has the money to pay. He's like you know be there tomorrow. We're gonna go out again. And Jaiman Hansu is like, do we have or, or do we have anyone you know scheduled to go out and pay us for this? And he's like, no, we're just going to go out and look for that real, tuna. Real quick, Dan. So the thing I like about Craw Daddy is it's a real fish out of water situation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you don't expect a guy who comes, you know, he grew up in a swamp wrestling yeah, gators with his, pu- with his peepaw. You don't expect him to have to worry about, like, 
his God. his uh, his house tax, his property taxes. You know, it's kind of like a kind of like a my blue heaven. Same worries, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's, humans. It's, univer- it's this universal character of the middle class suburban dad. Everyone understands it. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so returning to the <laughs> movie. Uh, so they have no luck catching fish, and this means that McConaughey has not made any money that day. Mm-hmm. And so. This is when that conversation I, I was remembering earlier happened. Uh, where he, he does a Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> oh, the same joke that I was going to make. <laughs> yeah, he basically does it like it's a Jaiman Hatsu. He's like, go on, get. I don't like you anymore. Uh, he, <laughs> yep. he, he wants him to get a, a job with real money because yeah. he, he can no longer afford to pay him. If he could ever pay him, the job was assistant to an obsessed man hunting after a tuna <laughs> because it reminds him of his long lost son in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in case I don't get to these, I just occurred to me. In case I don't get to these explicitly later on into the show, uh, because they're kind of sprinkled throughout rather than like being major plot points. You know, uh, Craw Daddy would say that sprang. Oh God! Okay, so <laughs> he'd say sprinkled trout. Two <laughs> things I like, wa- sprinkled trout. I don't understand. <laughs> two things I want to say about Plymouth is uh, you learn early and often that. Everyone knows everything about each other because uh-huh. there's a lot of gossip going on. Yep. And, and they number love, two, they love telling Baker Dill what's going on in his life. They'll be like, yeah. He'll be at the bar and he'll be like, Baker, you've been spending too much time going after that fish. Heard you had a fight with Duke. Why don't you want him working on your boat anymore? And it's like, I, why are you telling me what happened in my life? I don't understand. Yeah. So that's one thing that's true. And another thing is true is when he drives around in his truck, there's a Rate, there's like one radio station, uh-huh. and the guy, the DJ, uh, his stuff seems suspiciously uh, tailored specifically to Baker Dill. Uh-huh. That's uh, you said the same thing about uh, your relationship with Don Imus. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Look, he told me to kill, so I killed. There's yeah, the, the guy on the radio is always like, "Beautiful day out here," but you, the time is well. You don't care what time it is. Just go out and get that fish. You just want that fish, and it is like. <laughs> Like in the future, we're like uh, he's listening to a podcast that someone makes just for him. Like yeah. media has become so fragmented that it's literally a Baker Dill specific radio yeah. show that he's listening well, to. Well, and the reasons are made clear later in the movie, but early on, it's like, what the fuck is this radio station? <laughs> my so my friend uh, who was watching it with yesterday pointed out that some of what is happening in this movie might be forgivable if it was a play because everybody's constantly talking in this way that feels so weird for the genre. People are constantly talking at Baker Dill. They're talking about other people who aren't there. And it's like, you just saw this happen. If it was all just happening in this one setting, it kind of makes sense. And the performances might be a little more forgivable. I'm not saying it's a Broadway play. But I'm saying if you saw this oh, in a community black box theater, for sure. this yeah, is a yeah. black box theater. Yeah, so. this is like a black box theater, and they like have like people with like a big blue sheet to be the water. <laughs> there's, uh-huh, a, yeah. <laughs> there's a dream ballet like with a, a tuna. <laughs> Danny, you have to produce this now. <laughs> oh my god! Honestly, I would be honored. I would you, love to produce Serenity, and it's not a musical. It's just a straight <laughs> drama with a dream ballet. With a dream ballet. Yeah. I mean every. Every good play circa 1953 mm-hmm. needs a dream ballet at some point. Absolutely. I love that Death of a Salesman dream ballet. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. When he dreams about uh, selling things. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then he dreams about dying. <laughs> Have either of us seen it? Uh, I think uh, I've seen it four times. Great. Good. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, hey, uh, is it time for another episode of Famous People Elliot saw on stage? Oh, God. Because I saw Death of a Salesman, two Broadway productions. One, of course, with uh-huh. Brian Dennehy, amazing. And one oh, wow. with... Uh, with FX uh, himself. What? 
Uh, the guy from FX is what I'm saying, Brian Dennehy. Yeah, yeah, uh, FX is Brian Dennehy, and the other with um, uh, what's his with a Philip. If you Seymour say Hoffman. Brian, if you say Brian Brown, I'm gonna lose my shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> with with and the other with Philip Seymour Hoffman, and they're both great. Played the character in very different ways. Just goes to show you, when it's that good a text, there's a lot of different room for interpretation. <laughs> okay, We're inside well. the actor's studio. I'm Elliot Kalen. <laughs> Uh well I just saw Michael Shannon uh in a play and I saw his Wang as part of that. So, so what, oh, cool. what play was this? Uh Frankie <laughs> and Johnny and the Claire de Lune. Oh, okay. It was uh it was good. What Wait. was the context of you seeing Michael Shannon naked? Oh, that well, was later. bust into him in the changing room? <laughs> I th- I think <laughs> No, I think both I think both of the acts uh, open with the two leads having sex and a lot of the beginning of it was just played in the nude. Mm-hmm. And do you think it? Do you think the script features the moment where he pinwheels around? <laughs> I think that was added in later productions. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> That's... But but by now it's become basically text. Exactly. Uh, so before. Before I figured out the twist, or actually that's not true. I think everybody kind of figures out they don't dole it out as well no, as they think the, they the do. The twist in this movie is pretty pretty uh, foreshadowed. Yeah, they foreshadow it a lot. But the when we were talking about the the setting, I kept being like, "Where is this island?" I watched this with my wife, and she was like, "Where is this supposed to be?" And so we were like, "I was looking up Plymouth Island online to see if it was a real place. It is not a real place." Spoiler alert! Uh, if anyone wants to go uh, live the Baker Dill lifestyle. And following his footsteps, but it, but yeah, the movie it it's like, and I wasn't sure if the movie wanted us to be asking that question or if it was just too bad at covering its tracks. Guys, what do you think? Uh, which question? The question Sorry, like, I, is is the movie does the movie want us to be wondering where Plymouth Island is, or is that because they're not doing a good job of of misleading us? Uh, look, I I think I speak for most Amer- I think I speak for most Americans understanding of geography uh-huh. where I was like, yeah, sure. There's a Plymouth Island somewhere. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't I, like, Oh, this is a clue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that was like the first thing I did was Google Plymouth Island question mark. And, uh, yeah. My first, okay. cause my first thought was like, Oh, it's like, uh, off the Florida keys somewhere. And then it was like, okay, maybe it's like French Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just kind of becomes this weird mishmash of things. And then I'm like, okay, wow. There's this very aggressive radio DJ. I don't know <laughs> where we are. You Googled most aggressive. DJs. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't quite remember. Okay. So we left like, off. Everything's with, jumbled up at this point. Right, uh, but, what, so what was the next scene? The next thing was when our femme fatale enters the film. Can you explain? Who's oh, this? It's that Who's early. The- okay. It's Anne Hathaway with a bad blonde, I assume wig. Um, and uh, she is playing, at least you think at the, at the start, she is playing the uh, femme fatale of the movie. Uh-huh. And uh, and I say playing advisedly because it feels like Anne Hathaway is like playing other movies that she's seen, which is I'm not such like, a bad with, thing considering it, that like this movie is really steeped in other movies. Well, but if it, if it feels and it, and it plays into the twist later that she is more of a character than a full person. Although there's two yes. things about one is that she is supposed to be his ex-wife, and they were supposed uh-huh. to have gone to school together. And she is fifteen years younger than me. So when I before I when I knew this, there was is just, a line about her saying that she was finally old. Oh, that was so upsetting because it must have mean he was in his thirties at the time when she was eighteen. I do want to say quickly: this movie hates women so much. Oh yeah, and it's uh, it's it's 
so egregious the way that they treat Anne Hathaway and Diane Lane. Now, the, she is uh-huh. so ob- so much obviously younger than Matthew McConaughey that when I didn't know what this movie was about, but I just knew it had a twist, I was like, oh, I bet they fall in love and it turns out she's his daughter. That was my guess of the oh, twist. Oh, cool. But you thought it was old boy? I thought it was old boy. And I was like, <laughs> Spoiler why is it Matthew McConaughey old yelling boy. at a bunch of guys with a hammer? But, uh, the, <laughs> but And then I looked up and I looked up and apparently Uma Thurman was supposed to play that role originally which makes a lot more sense age-wise. But instead, uh-huh. they cast Anne Hathaway, and this, so they keep talking about, yeah, back at school, the two of us, oh, I went to the reunion. And it's like, so was he held back so many... I mean, <laughs> is he this character from Days to Confuse where he's just hanging around the high school all the time <laughs> mm-hmm. even as he gets older? Like, what's going on here? Their reunion happened and they were the only two people not there. What a weird high school. <laughs> <laughs> and, Everyone uh, El- went. <laughs> the, uh, Elliot, uh, according to IMDb's trivia... Uma Thurman was originally supposed to play the Diane Lane character, not oh, the Anne Hathaway character. Then it really doesn't make sense to me. Okay, never mind. I uh, think Uma Thurman would have been good as the Anne Hathaway character. She might have even been better. Well, the weird thing is that it. apparently Estelle Getty was supposed to play the Anne Hathaway character originally, <laughs> <laughs> and then it would have been like, wait, but isn't she much older than him? But you know, it happens. These Hollywood casting things—they go around the other way sometimes. Uh, and so, and what what do we learn about Anne Hathaway, Dan? What do we learn about? Uh, this? Basically, we learn she's his ex-wife. Uh, they had a kid together, and uh, she is now like the guy that she ostensibly, like, I, like presumably left him for, is this uh, gotten this like horrible character who's just gotten worse over the years. I, I think he's kind of shades of gray, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, this wow. violent gangster who wow, assholed everybody and hits her with a belt. You know? Yeah. Supporting, pedophile. supporting this character even ironically <laughs> may, may have you walking a razor's edge, Stuart. <laughs> but, and we also, we learn about their son that she mentions he has a talent for computers. So yes. like Donatello, their son Patrick does machines. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, thanks for explaining it so I can understand it. Finally. I need to put it in Stuart terms, which usually involves either Ninja Turtles or tiny miniature pl- people that you paint and they're made out of yeah. metal. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you say playing, you're you're talking about an actor performing and not the way somebody would play a video game, for instance. <laughs> He's talking about the way people play Warhammer. This movie is really about oh. tiny people <laughs> moving around on a board. So uh-huh. and occasionally I get angry and throw my dice across the room. <laughs> and so Dan, what what's what is what's the deal she tries to make with Dale? Yeah, what's she's the deal, like, deal? She's like, hey, let's get out of this bar. I need to talk to you privately. And they go to his boat and uh <laughs> he's hooking up some some bait while she's telling him, Look, my husband, my new husband is beating me. He's terrorizing our son. Uh, presumably beating him too, like, uh-huh. and uh, I want you to take him out. I've arranged, well, uh, through a series like very unlikely things. I, I have to say, she finds hit like the unfindable. <laughs> oh, taking a stand, she well, finds this uh, unfindable guy by like Facebook, where she makes connections with some old high school pals who just like one of them happened to go on a charter boat and they see him in the background. It's also and, this movie could be taking place any time in the past hundred years until yeah. she mentions Facebook, and I was like, wait, what? Hold on a second, what? Mm-hmm. This is a world with like cell phones and stuff. Like, hold on. Yeah, so that's unlikely event number one. Unlikely event number two is once she found out where Dill was, she was able to specifically convince her abusive husband to go to this specific charter boat and get chartered out and get some fish. Uh I mean, first off, we got to hand it to this prop work that McConaughey's doing, chopping up that fish. (laughs) It's like uh, like when, who is it, Charlotte? 
uh, or is it Miranda? I can't remember. Always night lotions or, uh, or like, oh, yeah. I remember there was like a SVU episode I saw where they, they were, uh, talking to a male stripper and he was like hanging up his, uh, G strings on a, <laughs> like a little drying rack in his kitchen. <laughs> it was so awesome. <laughs> like you can stop doing that and talk to these people. You don't have to do that while, while they're there. <laughs> this movie does like an insane job. Some movies I think jump to murder in a way where you're like, wow, that's seems like he could have done a bunch of other things in the interim or that doesn't seem justified this movie like goes out of its way to justify the murder way too much they're like yeah. mm-hmm. oh here's 10 million dollars to do it like okay gr- honestly it should be like hey he's beating me and our son great dianu like this is that that's the justification well, or even like yeah. in, a, in a movie like dublin indemnity like which they're with it with you know which is like the urtext for this kind of stuff like, yeah it's like i did i don't like my husband he's rich kill him and we'll make this money off the insurance uh, payment. And so it's like a real moral thing because it's like, oh, I is it worth it? I mean, this woman has beguiled me and I want her, but is it worth selling my soul basically? But when it's like, here's $10 million and the man you're going to kill is the worst person since Hitler. Like, <laughs> real, like what, what a moral test. Like what it's, it's so, yeah, it's so weighted in favor well, of the audience being like, just and kill it's, him. It's on the shoulders of a character who has threatened guys with a knife over a fish already. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the way he handles that fish, like you're saying, Stu, like no wonder Jiro dreams of sushi when Matthew McConaughey is <laughs> cutting it up with that bod. I think I, they think it's like a Quint sequence, like how Quint is always doing something like kind of tough and like a little bit scary and weird. But there's also – he's like – it's just really funny because it's like, wait, so you took someone out on a boat. You're butchering a fish. Are you going to cook it right now? Like what do you – is this the right time to be to be cleaning well, that he's fish? Gotta, he's got it. He's got it. Butcher it like that so I can put it on his wall. Oh, okay, That's how it works. He, can put, all the, he <laughs> yeah. can put all the machines in to make his big mouth Billy Bass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, uh, he <laughs> is baiting the hooks just like she is putting out some bait for him. Yeah, I think uh, I should clarify this because I don't think we've said it explicitly yet. Like what Anne Hathaway wants is him to take her husband out on a charter boat uh-huh. uh, and push him off and leave him for the sharks to eat. This yeah. movie has so much fun with playing with the word hooks. At one point, he's like, I'm a hooker who can't get a hook or something. I'm a, she, <laughs> Dan, Dan Lance is like, you're a hooker. And he goes, yeah, a hooker who can't afford hooks. And it's like, you did it. <laughs> you, you squared the circle, boys. So, so this after this base. conversation, Matthew McConaughey is like, uh, nope, I'm not going to just kill a dude. Uh, I'm not going to take him out on the boat. You're barking up the wrong tree. Mm-hmm. And I believe this is when he goes back to but, his. But just to clarify, he's a man, not a tree. Okay, go on. <laughs> uh, I now, don't know. He's pretty wooden. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Dan, is this when? Uh, are we going to skip to the next morning when Matthew well, McConaughey takes his new dip in the in the in the in the ocean? Yeah, he goes out fishing. He comes home, and Diane Lane, who's been peering out the window at him talking to Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Jealous to over her, whoever her magic evil queen from Snow White <laughs> window that shows her all the yeah. goings on of Plymouth that when she asks it to. So mm-hmm. she sees the two of them together, and then she shows up at McConaughey's, you know, shack. Let's call it's a, it. It's a shipping container. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's, you know, real cash, sort of uh, super parti- cash, super for- cash. You know, just being like, so who's you know? There's a pretty lady. Uh, so hey, who's that pretty lady? Uh, what's going on? <laughs> And Matthew McConaughey uh, doesn't want to talk about that, and his solution, I guess, is to say he's got to take a shower and he strips down, uh-huh. 
and you see his butt, and something, I gotta say the way for the ladies, the way he's jiggling around, you really should also see his penis. Clearly, his penis is bundled up so it won't like, jig, jiggle below might. the butt line. I think, At one point, I don't know. I mean, he's yeah. probably wearing—he's probably wearing a modesty pouch. That's pretty yeah. standard. Like a modesty pouch could contain McConaughey. <laughs> it's a—it's a modesty mouse. He—they <laughs> needed an entire—they needed to an entire mouse. A so mouse he jumps into the pouch. Uh, maybe not. Actually, mice are pretty small now. That I think about it. He cliff dives, and while he's that must like, hurt so, so much. That he he cliff dives feet first into the water, right? So like his penis Elliot, is his, well, smacking his, into the ocean. I mean, <laughs> his taint and balls are so calloused from doing this every day. <laughs> I mean, Elliot, you prefer he go belly first off the cliff? I'm, I'm not really sure what you're arguing for. He should not for. be jumping off the cliff with no clothes on. But you're right, Stuart. He must be so, the first time he did this. It must have hurt so much. But he's like, if I do this every day for years, eventually it won't even bother me. Because when he hits yeah. the water, the look on his face is like, hmm, like he just walked through a puddle. Like it's amazing. Yeah. He's so tough, so tough that he, his during his nude swim, he has a vision of his son in the water, which is like really, it's really creepy. <laughs> they do like a Nirvana cover at each other. Oh yeah, you're right. That's yeah. exactly what's uh-huh. going on. And it's Dan. Does he? His son. They seem to have some kind of psychic connection, right? Yeah, because then he wakes up uh, at it like this was like you know reality uh, edging into a dream sequence, and he wakes up from this crazy underwater dream, uh-huh. and there's like water next to him on the table, uh-huh. and he's like. You know, mystified and amazed by this water. Yeah. And meanwhile, we cut to this boy who has spilled his uh, drink, and mm-hmm. he's rubbing his hand through the water, just like Matthew McConaughey is rubbing his hand through water. And I have to say, it makes sense for McConaughey to be rubbing his hand through the water because he's mystified by how that water got there. Uh-huh. For the boy to just spill his drink and rub the water around is a lot weirder. This boy has issues i don't want i don't want to say anything that could be considered offensive like i don't want to i don't want to make light of people who have no he's interacting with reality so he's you know withdrawn he's withdrawn he's very withdrawn so there's part of him Uh that's like you have to assume he's touching water because it's just him it's a way of interacting with reality because otherwise yeah it's some kind of scrying pool or something yeah and he otherwise he's too busy with his name video games the boy's always playing on his computer all the time. And most of the time we watch him, we're, it's one of those shots where it's through the inside of a computer screen. And we can uh-huh. s- and we see his face with, like, code in front of him. And then also fishing in front of him at one point. Like, it's very clear. Like, the first time we see him in front of a computer screen, it's like there's, like, a fishing game. It's like, oh, come on, movie. <laughs> also, this movie is made by an old person because that's not the game a teenager makes. A fishing game? Yeah. No, not at uh, all. You it's- mean... Catch the Trout is not a hot new title. I mean, unless it's like a Leisure Suit Larry catches the trout or something like that. He does. Yeah, because a lot of kids are fucking playing Leisure Suit Larry now. (laughs) They they were when I was kid. When I was a kid, when their parents were not at home. (laughs) So, is this uh, next part where is this the scene where Jason Clark arrives in town? Yeah, the 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 husband, the bad husband, the the bad husband arrives, surprising. Anne Hathaway, who loudly squeals, oh, you you weren't supposed to arrive until tomorrow. And he has chartered a jet. Yeah, her reaction is intense. <laughs> so uh, much I mean, reaction. Well, she's been surprised by her abusive husband. I mean, no, I guess you're right. No, no. But uh, no, Stuart, you think she'd be better at hiding it. What? Now, Stuart, now, it, where on the bad dad rankings is he? He's not a bad dad soccer dad. Like, what kind <laughs> of bad dad is he? I, it's a this is a tough one. Uh, he's not a bad dad, rad dad. Although Jason <laughs> Jason Clark does make a meal out of this role, uh, it's really tough. I mean, he is 
I mean, he is coded as the worst person in the universe. <laughs> yeah. The, so, so this the is the most is like, dead. like I remember when I was watching Lil Shop of Horrors and I pretty quickly jumped on the train of like, oh, this dentist needs to die. And I feel like Jason Clark beat like he like beats beats that out within seconds. Like there are it's it's almost like how in the beginning of Up. Pixar was like, we are going, you know, when Bambi's mom died, we are going to beat that in moments. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, let's, let's say how we beat that, uh, making Jason Clark a bad book guy. He shows up and he immediately, uh, demands that Anne Hathaway disrobe. Uh huh. And then he like, wait, 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 he, so he can examine her. He puts on his no, that's, reading glasses. That's, <laughs> so I mean, why do you mean, butt. wait, wait, wait. That was literally the next thing I was going to oh. say. He bends down, he puts his glasses on in such a clinical way that, uh, watching with my girlfriend, she like was like, "Is he a doctor?" Like, <laughs> that is much more what it seems like. And I, I uh, thought he, she maybe had some kind of tattoo that was a map of the island <laughs> that was like there was going to be treasure somewhere, and she was like the like. At first, I was like, "Oh, that's the um, that's the twist." Is Anne Hathaway it's, it's, is it's the like, map? It's like in Waterworld; she's got a map on her butt, right? Of like the island. So he's got to inspect mm-hmm. it and be like, "Oh, yes, the treasure is here." <laughs> Inst- well, instead, he's examining her butt so closely because uh, he's looking for marks on there that I guess uh, would suggest maybe she's doing something while he's not around. I'm not really sure why he's so, other than yeah. being completely controlling, like why he's obsessed with this particular thing. I think. He wants a perfectly blank canvas on no. which to do his work. Okay. Yeah. Well, he sees a scratch on her, uh, which uh, means that she must be punished. And the scene ends with him taking off his belt. Yeah, it's super gross. And yeah. uh, it's it's all really disgusting <laughs> and sordid in a not fun way. But I will say, Jason Clark, his accent in this movie, he's <laughs> it's not even as good as my crawdaddy accent. I think it's a crazy accent. Where is he from? Do you think he's from I, like Bad Guysville? <laughs> We're talking yeah, about the character, City, not USA. the actor, Jason Clark. Not right. the actor, Jason Clark, the actor. Uh, he he does. I mean, his accent in other movies is usually great because he's Australian, right? Uh-huh. But he's a. Uh, but in every movie, he's got a you know fine American accent. But this one, it's like it, it, he's. It's like somehow all the worst elements of a New Jersey accent and a Philly accent and a Southern accent in one accent. I thought he was supposed to be from Boston. I thought they were like trying uh, for Boston. Well, maybe it's Boston too, but it's just like basically like the kind of accent where you're like, Oh, this guy's a criminal of some kind. Yeah. The, and the way he's dressed, I feel like there's uh there's an assistant right off uh, camera with a spray bottle, just spraying him down to make him look grosser and wetter. <laughs> Everyone's so wet in this movie. <laughs> They're just uh, spraying with Crisco the whole time. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, I like that because I feel like it calls back to like, there are a lot of like 90s, like Florida noirs. And like, I like the just the sense that like everyone what? is constantly sweating through their shirt. Well, like yeah. either because blues. it's hot or because it's too sexy. Well, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, a, it's like a Heaven's Prisoners or a Wild Things or a, yeah. you know, it all goes back to Body Heat. Body Heat's a this, super like sweaty movie. <coughs> this does feel like two steps removed from a Zalman King movie. Two uh, steps. For the, for the beginning, <laughs> yes. But that, but that's one of the things I like about it. But we'll get to that later. Um, so uh, you know, Jason Clark uh, goes down to the boat mm-hmm. that his wife has presumably chartered for him, and uh-huh. uh, Matthew McConaughey is like, "Nope, can't take you out. Regulations say I, it's just me. I can't have just me and you on a boat and no one else to help out." Oh, that that probably checks out. I guess the movie's done, huh? Uh, yeah, that's it. It's about a man who was denied a fishing trip. 
Uh, Jason Clark no. says, wait, someone in my life said no to me. Uh, that's what I needed, limits, so I can define myself by who I want to be and not uh-huh. who I feel the urge to be. Thank you, Baker Dill. Thank you for showing me the way. And then he says to Anne Hathaway, he gets down on his knees and he says, I have so much to make up for. Will you give me a second chance? I know I don't deserve. Can you find it in your heart? And she looks to the heavens and Jesus says, yes, my daughter, forgive him and just winks. And she says, okay, I'll do as our Lord would and I'll forgive you. And they open up a missionary orphanage somewhere. <laughs> and that's the end of the story. Right, well, and, and then Matthew McConaughey's like, oh, where's that tuna? <laughs> yeah, you know what? That is a crazy twist. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy twist is this was a this was a Christian movie the whole time. Yeah. Um, no, uh, yeah, he will not be denied, Jason Clark, and he says, "Tomorrow I'm going to come. I'm going to give you ten grand to take me out, and you're going to do it." And you know, he he walks off. He stalks uh-huh. away. And yeah. and Baker Dill. His boat zooms off, and once again, we meant, we didn't mention it before. It happens another time too. The guy in a suit runs up, going, "Baker Dill, Baker Dill, I need to talk to you." Oh shoot! <laughs> uh, okay, so I, can't, I must admit, I don't know quite what happens just ne- just after that. Well, what, what there's a, there's a bunch of stuff where uh, everyone's telling Baker Dill. Basically, everyone in town is just repeating to him what's going on. We know you're obsessed oh, with yeah. fish. You know that your ex wife's husband is is abusive to her. And, and they're doing says, it. A, they're doing it in a way like, like they're gaslighting him or something. Like these people are staring at him and act, uh, behaving like they're weird alien robots. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's a very good way to put it. And uh, and Duke is like, we should take this guy out fishing. We need the money. And Dill's like, okay. But Dill tells Anne Hathaway, whose character's name I can never remember. Is it Karen? Karen. Uh, he tells <laughs> yep. Karen, I'm not going to kill him. And, oh, and we forget. Sorry. And, sh- and she ahead. says, and she says, oh, by the way, when you talk, Patrick can hear you. You're connected with him, and Patrick can hear you through his computer screen. That's what Patrick yes. says. And this was Patrick's I, idea. Oh, the it, other thing. She oh, that's says, right. right. It was Patrick's idea for Dill to take out his stepdad and kill him. Yeah. Yeah. At this, I, I, I wanted to clarify. I think you already kind of have that. Uh, I think I forgot to say something very important, which is this is uh, a movie. McConaughey asked Anne Hathaway about their their son, and she talked about a lot about how. He was withdrawn entirely into computers, mm-hmm. and he plays games all day. And um, uh-huh, like, you, you, like Tron, or and you're like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, that kid that we keep seeing at the computer is his son. We we understand all that, and but um, and when we see the, at this when we point, see him at the computer, we can over. He's in his room, and we can hear through the door his right. stepdad yelling at his mom. And at this point, I was like, oh, I know what the twist is. Let's see if you, the audience, mm-hmm. can guess. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey should have turned to the camera and said, have you figured it out yet, folks? All right, all right, all right. We're going to be revealing in about 20 minutes. See how close you got. Raw daddy. Uh, oh, wow. That's a, bi- that's a big name to be playing craw daddy. <laughs> yeah, in the movie. Well, I wanted to get, again, cast as craw daddy in the movie since it was my character that I do on television, on SNL. But they wanted a bigger star, so Matthew McConaughey is going to play craw daddy. I think he's good casting. He's good casting. I believe yeah, him yeah. as a guy who... Raised in the in, raised in the swamps among huh? the moss and the gook, who's now living the middle class life in a, a mm-hmm. suburb of Connecticut. Uh-huh. He works in insurance. That's why oh, he's in okay. Connecticut too. Uh, yeah. And he can his he's always embarrassing his kids with his down home bayou knowledge. But that's what gets them out of the jams too. Is all those things he learned wrestling gators and catching I, crawdads and shooting nutrients uh, on a boat. Stuart, I kids spaced out. Is, is that we talking about crawdaddy again? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're he's about to clarify what kind of jams his kids are getting into. 
<laughs> Elliot, I think we should just abandon our other TV project and just pursue Crawdaddy. I think we have to. Yeah, at this point. I mean, it's kind of what God put me on this earth to do. I mean, I kind story. of I kind of assumed that this was your like your low-key pitch for Crawdaddy in general. <laughs> yeah, this is our backdoor uh, pilot. Yeah. We are we are not halfway through the movie and we're already gone almost <laughs> flop, an hour. Which I don't have listeners. a problem. I don't have a pro- listeners, write in and tell us how much you loved Crawdaddy. We'll give him his own show. <laughs> I, I, I actually don't have a problem with how far we're going over just yet because this movie deserves it. But uh, we are okay, going to Okay, well, I'll, I'll stop talking about Crawdaddy for a little bit longer. Um, oh, so and, what, oh, this uh, is also when – so they take Jason Clark out and he's talking about I hate my son Patrick. He's so crazy and weird. Uh, he's always playing a computer game about catching a fish. And this is when you know an English person wrote this movie is he goes, yeah, well, his maths teacher says he's real smart. And it's like, whoa, well, hold on a second. Math teacher? Did he teacher? say that? Yeah. I didn't even catch like, that. It should, and it's – or maybe I misheard it, but like that's what the captions also told me was that it said – I put the captions on because I was like – I, there's it's so much grumbly mumbling from Matt McConaughey, and I'm like, maths teacher, someone must have caught that, right? That we don't say maths or in the United Jason States. Clark just like said it because you know he memorized the lines in his you know backwards Australian way. He was like, this <laughs> is how we talk about it, uh, and he's like, yeah, oh, what my ha- stepson even threatened to kill me. Uh, and there's yeah, one yeah, yeah. cop in Plymouth. He's out of town on vacation. So if someone were to kill me, or if I were to kill somebody else. I'd be no. There'd be no law. I can do whatever I want. Like they're just stacking the deck so hard in this. This is also when he starts talking about the underage sex workers. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Yeah, I I think you're skipping ahead a little bit and maybe confusing people. Like Anne Hathaway comes. She's like uh, trying to convince him again. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is like, yeah, I'll take the ten grand, but I'm going out tomorrow. Three men will be on the boat, and three men are coming out back on the boat. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to kill them. Yeah, and so like she, she, he does take. Uh, this guy out in the water, and he has this amazing monologue where he admits to all the most evil things <laughs> at yeah, once. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah he's directly. Uh, direct, uh, it was directly lifted from Richard the Third. If I'm correct. <laughs> yes. yeah, I think you're right. And Richard the Third also ends with a fake out where you think that they're going to push him in the water, but instead they come back having caught a big shark. Yeah, and at this point, because <laughs> yeah, it was written by favorite. William Sharkspeare. <laughs> There are uh, at this point there are a lot of meaningful close-ups on uh, Jaimon Hansu's face as he's putting it together. He's like, "Oh, this is guy's an asshole who needs to die. Probably that fancy lady came by to try and get uh, my guy to kill him." And you know, mm-hmm. whatever. He's like got all the pieces at this point. Oh, I made I made Do a note we- here. They come back. That's when Karen tells him it was Patrick's idea to kill his stepdad, and he says, "She says he wants justice." Uh, but. Justice, isn't that the name of that famous tuna fish that Matthew McConaughey is famous for wanting to catch and everyone in yeah. Ireland's caught talking about it? This movie and, is amazing. And it was really like at that point, it's like, oh, you said the secret word. Because mm-hmm. like, that's what makes Matthew McConaughey be like, all right, I'll kill him. Didn't we? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. we also skipped over something kind of important, which is that the way he gets Jamon Hansu back on the boat is he's like, I need you to deliver me from temptation. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're, he's that like, comes back. your job is you're going to be on the boat and you're going to tell me, you're going to stop me from doing something I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, you're yeah. right. Right. So they come back to, uh, to land and uh, Jamon Hansu's taking him out for a drink and he's um, like, he's like, yeah, tell me about temptation because mm-hmm. he's. Once Temptation get- Island, now on NBC. <laughs> I think it was a Fox show. <laughs> what? Fox and- normally doesn't play that lowbrow. <laughs> You're right. NBC's must-see TV lineup, it was it was Friends, The Single Guy, Seinfeld, and Temptation Island. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jaiman Hansu is playing Jiminy Cricket here. He's like, Jiminy uh, Cricket. you're good. You're a good, <laughs> you're a good man. Uh, don't kill that dude. Uh-huh. 
<clears throat> and, whether, he, and he whether, gives it, they whether, have this conversation while they're like surrounded by a, uh, like a Caribbean rainstorm, right? Yeah. Like a tropical storm. Uh, and in the storm, something happens that I forgot, like back at a shack. So he doesn't go back to his shack. He goes to his boat yeah, where okay. he where meets Karen up with his, him. with Karen, his ex-wife. Uh, they have a late night rendezvous. Um, they have, they, he, he basically, she, she comes on to him pretty hard and he agrees to do the job, but it says, I'm doing this for my son. I'm not doing it for you. And then they have the most unsatisfying, super fake well, movie sex I've ever well, seen in a movie. But he like deliberately blue balls her. Like, yeah. he's like, I'm going to fuck you. And then he's like, that's it. No I more. win. He gives, he, that's what he yeah. says. Is I because he's. It was literally just him trying to stick it to the other dude. Like, yeah. It's so by, by yeah. sticking it to Karen. this movie hates women, but also in Hathaway in this moment is just like this is the weird thing where she's like, remember when we were sixteen and you married me with a brass <laughs> ring, and uh, and and told me I was old enough on the pier. Yeah, yeah. I was finally old enough on the pier. I was well, so like, scared yeah. that night or whatever. It's. He, that was like a bridge. They had sex on a bridge. Yeah, and he was like, you oh, know, people right. don't, he's like, people don't change. And she's like, well, that means I'm still that lady on the bridge. And you're like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of these, there's a lot of like really weird phrasings of things. And uh-huh. like, fr- like not just like fraught conversations, but um, like the camera will focus on a thing. And you're sort of like, I don't know what symbolism in this movie or not, like whether something's symbolic of something uh-huh. and that's why we're looking at it or like it, this is significant. It's clearly going to be significant in some way, but I don't know why it, yet. It feels like the kind of love scene that would be written about uh, a young man would write about his parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the other thing is that once you know the twist of the movie, uh, it's like w- w- there's – this is these are weird scenes for, the, to, for these characters to be going through these kind of like sadistic sex games where there's a lot of like butt play with Matthew McConaughey. Like why? Uh, why is this I feel like of- a lot is is churching up a scene that people are going to be disappointed by. Elliot. <laughs> no, you're right. I had not occurred that that had not occurred to me. That, that does not jive with the twist at all. No, not at all. This is unless I mean the thing is also like. The kid at the center of the movie. All you can, the only thing you can really get from it by the end of the movie is that this is a creepy kid. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a weird kid. But well, you have to assume that this kid has watched <laughs> like the TCM Noir Marathon right before doing what he does or something like that. Like, yeah, because everything is just like, like, like kids like to do to that yeah. tradition. Yeah, because kids love film noir. Uh, my yeah. son, he's five years old. He's always like. Uh, Daddy, can I see Detour, the Edgar Ohm of Noir? And I'm like, one, why are you talking like a baby? <laughs> You're five years old. But also like Detour, I mean, that's a little intense. I mean, you might find it boring too, but it's a little intense. And he's like, mm, no, I like it. I like Noir. Can we watch Double Indemnity again? I, I want to watch kill? Gun. I got it. What? I want to watch Gun Quazy. <laughs> I like can how watch, the can we watch I like how the gun doubles for its penis. Can we watch Wawa? Wait, what? Laura? Yeah, Wawa. <laughs> this is such a fully realized child character. This is wow, like this the is really... other character from Crawdaddy. Yeah, this is Crawdaddy's kid, Noir Boy, and he uh, he loves film noir. Crawdaddy what I like about noir uh, both of those characters is there's a there's a twist on them you wouldn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. The uh, so uh, Dil- Baker Dill at this point he has a conversation to the Scott to his to his absent son and he has a line where he's about Karen where he says opportunity pours off her like rain which makes no sense I don't understand <laughs> it it's like one of those lines I was talking to somebody recently about the line in the movie Heist where Danny DeVito says 
Of course you need money. We are, Everyone does. That's why they call it money. And it was no, like, of course you, of course you like sense. money. What? Mm-hmm. I think it's, of course you like money. Everyone does oh, it. That's, that's why what, they call it money. That's what they call Yeah, that's what they call it money. But it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> m- money is not a, it's not a double entendre. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, so maybe you meant because money sounds like honey. That was Roger Ebert's favorite uh, line of the movie. I remember he singled it out his review as being particularly funny. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> well, because funny rhymes with money. I get it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Dan, tell us. We finally get to meet the guy in the suit who's been chasing after Bacon Diller all this time. All right. What's uh, what's his deal? So. His deal is <laughs> do, you at need, first, do you need me to say his deal or no no at first his deal is I want to sell you this uh sonar um fish finder, fish finder. uh well, item. It's the sort of thing that midway through a video game you would you would find and it would help you find fish in, if you were playing a fish finding video yeah, game. For but who would do such a thing? <laughs> that that's seems, crazy. That's, I mean that I would, like but only if it's the original thing to say. Yeah, I mean <laughs> you know, if I was playing Jaws the video game for some reason. So anyway, <laughs> this uh Fish finder guy, fish finder general. Um, he is acting in a really like cryptic way, even though it seems like he's just there to sell uh, Baker Dill something. He's, he says he's a sales rep from a tackle company, and he has this new sonic fish finder, and he wants him to try it out for a week. And he goes, it will work. The finder will work. And then he says, and then, well, then what happens next, Dan? What 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 do we learn? Uh, he's, well, is this when he says the... Weird statement, I am the rules. Yeah, yes. as though it just slipped out of him, which, like, <laughs> clearly it didn't. That's such a pointed sentence. Slips out of him like an unguarded fart. Like rain off of water. <laughs> well, the movie tries to excuse it by saying he shouldn't drink. <laughs> but it's still a very weird thing for him to just spit out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, and uh, what, there are a couple other things that makes uh, Matthew McConaughey suspicious. What? What happens? Next? Uh, he, well, he tells I mean, the he guy says, does he, show up at his house at two thirty in the morning to yeah. give him a fish finder, and tells him yeah. he tells him, "Don't kill that man. You're you're supposed to catch this fish. You're not right. supposed to kill and, that guy." And McConaughey at this point threatens him with a knife and's like, "What? What? You know? What are you talking about? What's going on?" Mm-hmm. And is this when the twist is revealed? Yes, this I is can't. when they reveal the okay. twist. That what? What's the reality of Plymouth Island, Dan? Yeah, could you? Could you guess it, audience? Are you there yet? <laughs> Could you guess that, that the cutaways the page to a 53. boy playing a fishing computer game might be related to this in some way? <laughs> yes. It seems that Baker Dill and the entirety of Plymouth Island uh, are constructs of this uh, of this unknown at this point to the, the nerdy guy creator. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I'm not really sure why... F- if he doesn't know the creator, he knows what the rules of the game are. But, but, but you just know that that guy is a nerd, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a total nerd. Uh, Mr. Yeah, Fishfinder. They, they play the creator thing like a twist for him, but like that's the only thing we know for sure. Like we forget that other people don't know. Well, that. there must be some other, there's some other movie called Fishfinder that's about mm-hmm. this character. And he has his own discovery and twist. And it's like that intersected with Serenity because mm-hmm. it really, yeah, it doesn't make sense why, if this character is going to come in and be like, actually, we're a computer game, I'm the rules that tell you what to do. The fact why he would not know who the create, like, like the audience hasn't figured out who's done it by now. And Matthew McConaughey has pretty much figured yeah, it out. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey is basically like at this point, like, Wait a minute. My son's into computers. You're saying we're part of the computer <laughs> he's, game. He's mm-hmm. like Donatello. He does machines. <laughs> oh, thank so, you. So, like, he's like, 
Like, he seems pretty convinced right away, honestly, although uh-huh. he pretends not to be convinced. Like, you can yeah. see in his eyes that everything's, like, falling into place, but he's like, get out, get out of here. Not, I'm not, not a, go not on, another, go on, get. <laughs> not to make another fish pun, but the scales have fallen from his eyes. Yeah, and this is the point at which, fish like, scales. <laughs> I'm going to make, I'm going to make perhaps a very uphill argument here. Okay, let's uh, try it. Which is that this twist was much less bonkers than advertised. Because hot take, okay. Because number one, it is so foreshadowed uh-huh. in the movie that you see it coming a mile away. So yeah. it, you can't be gobsmacked by it that way. But number two, it's not that uncommon, like a, a sci-fi construct, to be like, oh, like we're in this made-up reality. Well, here, like Dan, this is like a Truman Show Matrix sort of situation, cloak and dagger sort of thing, a Dark City type thing. Yeah, so it's not baffling to me, like to be like. Wow, it's crazy that they're video game characters. Like that did not I'll say like here, make here, me think what's going here, on and here's in the way it was advertised. Sorry, not to here's why I'll say I think yeah. it's a bonkers twist, is because this movie, it's like if at any point, other than their clumsy foreshadowing, they had yeah. presented this as a science fiction y movie at all, it would be it would not seem as crazy. It's crazy to me that this is the twist <clears throat> that the writer decided to put into the movie and to be like this whole time, I'm gonna pretend it's like a southern, like a like a like it's a sweaty, like hot film noir, sleazy noir. Uh-huh. But then it's gonna turn out to be a science fiction movie. But like, I'm gonna push back, Elliot. This? It's gobsmacked, and then I'm like, why would you do that? It's stupid. Well, it's because it doesn't <laughs> feel like a video game that anyone would play. Like it's like the, this isn't like a genre. If it was like the old west, and suddenly it's like, oh, we're in a video game. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like people like playing games like that. Yeah. I feel like I feel like Jenny's point is good. I'm going to push back against Elliot's point, which is if you start the movie as a sci-fi movie, mm-hmm. then it's not a twist at all. You're like, oh, of course, in the sci-fi universe, this is going to happen. Like, no, no, but there's a switch between genres twist. this way. Like, makes more. I sense. mean, it, it makes say- sense to me. Like, you in the game, you you play a level where you go fishing, and then at the end of that level, you return to uh, <laughs> Constance, played by Diane Lane, where you have sex and you level up and spend your XPs. <laughs> I would, I would say it makes it's you don't want to give away a twist, but you have to prepare the ground for a twist. Like if the sixth sense was about a man who works in a bank and then at uh-huh. the end they're like, wait, where did that teller I was talking to yesterday? Oh, he died years ago. What? That would not be a good twist. The act, well, you already know the movie involves ghosts. So when Bruce Willis is revealed to be a ghost, you're like, what a twist. It's like, If I was watching a movie about a doctor and then halfway through someone was like, but you're an alien, right? And he was like, oh, yeah, I am an alien. I'd be like, what the hell is this? That's like, Doctor Who. I mean, that is Doctor Who. The thing, and also, this is the twist I was worried that the show Russian Doll yeah. was going to turn out to be. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. And I was so happy when it – I was like – Oh, she's dying. She keeps coming back to the same point. She works in video games. It better not turn out that she's a character in a video game. And then it didn't turn out that. And I was like, oh, Spo- this is a Spoiler great alert for people who haven't watched uh, Russian Doll yet. Oh, sorry, but uh, you should. It's great. Russian Doll. It does not, the twist, it, the way it ends is not the dumbest, most obvious way. I do want to give the movie uh, a little bit of credit here, which is like, sure, like you, you, you get to the twist before the movie does. Like you are ahead of it. However, the movie does not save this revelation for like i don't know like a third or a quarter of the way from the end like uh-huh. it gets rid of this revelation right in the middle because it's like all right you see what we're doing here let's stop fucking around <laughs> you know although the movie i will argue, i will say that the movie kind of like slows down after that 
after the twist is revealed in a weird way. Well, because like, the way that kind of twist is supposed to come right before the end of the climax of yeah, the movie. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. But instead, yeah, we're halfway through, so it's they got to walk <coughs> around a little bit. And Matthew Connie has to kind of pretend he doesn't – like he takes down maps of Plymouth Island to try to find it in the world. And it's like, yeah. why bother? You know what's going on. Like you, <laughs> but that's evidence the, all of a sudden? That's and, the and funniest thing in the movie. hard video games don't feature an in-game map of the world. Well, that's like what you makes, have to map it out yourself or look online for a tutorial. That, that's <laughs> what makes it like lovable for me, like what happens there. Because it's so ridiculous that in the world of the video game – Matthew McConaughey would pull out a map of Plymouth that's completely blank other than Plymouth, <laughs> like revealing that Plymouth exists in this like netherworld uh, mm-hmm. rather than like it being like, oh, let's set this in some recognizable reality. You know, it's not like Matthew McConaughey is going to be like, oh, OK, like, I don't know, like to reveal it this way is absurd knowing what the twist is. Yeah. yeah and you would think that a kid that would be knowledgeable enough to create the code to make his own fishing sim uh, would make the effort to like study up on other places, but maybe create, creating a fantasy world where fishing is the only law <laughs> is. Uh, it's, it's, you th- he's like, I could take another couple minutes to just place it on a map somewhere, but yeah. I really have to, I really have to get the rendering right on this scene where my dad's butt is thrusting into my mom for a couple seconds. <laughs> priorities, priorities, Patrick, come on, focus, focus. <laughs> All right. So uh, at this point, I, I, I don't know. It becomes a whirlwind of like Matthew McConaughey like d- driving around and like talking to <laughs> yeah. his son. Evil, yeah. evil Jason Clark uh, is. Uh, we find him battered, bloody, and broken in mm-hmm. his hotel room. Turns out, uh, Jaman Hansu hired, spent his share of the ten grand to hire some fellows to beat him up. So that and break his hands, so he could not go out fishing the next day. Yeah. Surely yes. this was not the most efficient way to get him to not go fishing on that particular <laughs> boat. Just get a better yeah. boat or something, or just give him anything else to do. Yeah. He already went fishing once. He wants to catch tuna that badly. He caught a shark already. Shark is cooler than tuna, he right? Did he caught a full shark? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, while yeah, not we're just seeing half a shark, <laughs> <laughs> we'll while see what happens. <laughs> While we're seeing Jason Clark all busted up and possibly unable to fish today, meanwhile, Matthew McConaughey <laughs> is having a total existential breakdown. Mm-hmm. Like, he's drinking a bunch of rum. He's standing yeah. in cornfields talking to his son. Uh, Diane and- Lane's son shows up out of nowhere and says, you can hire me for your boat. Oh, yeah, and the- he says, no, go away. And he leaves. <laughs> he's the Denny from the room of this movie. Yeah. Like, he's well, just this random well, kid. Samson? Yeah, what Samson's Matthew McConaughey awesome. is realizing over the course of all this Oh, I mean, he's basically told this by the rules guy, but he's also like realizing like the game will do anything to keep him from killing uh, uh, the bad husband. Like the game and- is actively working against him achieving that goal because it's not in the rules that someone dies in the game. Yes. Which and- is like, and so none of this makes sense though, again, in the context of uh, the twist of the movie. Like, why is the game working against the objective of the game in that way? Well, I mean, every game is working against you completing the objective of the game. But also, this is positing a world where video game characters, when you make, it's like the the way that when you're a kid, you imagine the TV is full of tiny people who put on Uh shows when you watch it. Mm -hmm. Video games are full of tiny people who, like, have their own lives and are walking around doing their own thing and trying to figure out what they're up to. And it's like, I don't. I don't. I don't understand. Like, there's, there's so much. Metaphysically, I'm saying the movie's kind of a mess. But yeah, this well, is around the time a- when it became clear, also that uh, Baker Dill. He's like, maybe, maybe uh, the mem- things I don't remember from the war. Maybe that's what's 
doing yeah. this. And you're like, oh, oh, I see. He died in the war. We'll find that <laughs> oh, later. I, I want to circle back to say, like, I think we got sidetracked. But, like, the reason that kid shows up out of nowhere to say, I can, I can work on your boat is the game trying to throw an obstacle up because he's like, oh, there, there's going to be a witness oh, right. uh, to but the cool. murder if, if, if I take this kid on. And so basically he, go, he says, yet again, go on, kid, mm-hmm. to the kid. <laughs> I don't like you. But clearly yeah. the kid but clearly like the kid who created the game wants him to kill the guy. Yes. Why is he also then supposedly programming in obstacles? Like what I mean, his desires as a as a kid of an abusive stepdad are fighting his desires as a top notch game developer. <laughs> you, know, you can't make the game too hard that it's never beatable, but you can't make it so easy you beat it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Like it's the challenge. This is something I'm trying to explain to my son and he doesn't get it because he's a kid, is the importance of a game the fun of a game is the challenge. And so if you win mm-hmm. it too easily or if you win every time, what's the point of playing? Then you're just stuck in uh, in the place from the Twilight Zone episode where it's hell because you win all the time that the show The Good Place, you know, ripped off basically. Uh, the you can't be, look, you don't want to win all the time. So the kid's like, I want my dad to die in this game, but I also want to be recognized as the Shigeru Miyamoto of my generation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's just yep. making the best games ever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, McConaughey <laughs> is uh, drunk and uh, despairing on the beach. and the But rules, never looking better. The rules guy. Oh, no, but he looks amazing. Yeah. The rules guy, the, the fish finder guy comes up to him. And they have this sort of argument discussion between the two of them where, like, the rules guy kind of, like, disappears for certain two shots of the characters, but is there when, like, McConaughey mm-hmm. is looking at him. So he's kind of this, like, unreliable presence in the, but, um, in the scene. But they have this conversation where McConaughey convinces the rules, hey, what the creator wants, like, the creator is my son, mm-hmm. and what he wants is for me to kill this abusive guy. Uh-huh. And at that point, the rules is like, well, if the creator has changed his mind about things, I have to help you. Like, uh, and let me inform you to that end that uh, Anne Hathaway has unlikely convinced battered and bruised Jason Clark to still go out and fish that day. Uh-huh. And also, there's 15 minutes to get back there. Also in this scene is uh, the moment that I knew the entire audience I saw it with in the theater had become on board with it being a bad movie, which is that the rule says, we are such stuff as dreams are made of. And the audience just erupted in applause. <laughs> yes. Just the, the, the gall to quote William Shakespeare in the middle of this dumb movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot in this conversation that's like, you know, basically the most the movie gets like, what is the true nature of reality anyway? There's a part earlier where Reed, he lives near a lighthouse and, and Reed, the rules guy, he goes, he goes, the lighthouse, light, dark, ones, zeros. <laughs> and it was like, come on, dude, that doesn't mean anything. Like, it sounds like it means something. But... Of course it means something. That's why it's called money. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, and here the, the movie kind of misses an opportunity because he has to race to the boat to get there in time to join Jason Clark. And I wish that people from Plymouth Island were just jumping in front of his truck, just like, hey, stop, hey, don't you want to catch that tuna instead? Just like <laughs> yeah. trying to slow him down so he misses him. To the end of the game, the game trying to slow him down, I, or change his mind, rather. Like, I forgot one of the most hilarious examples of that earlier, uh-huh. which is when the radio station expressly says, Baker Dill, don't you want to go out and catch that tuna today? <laughs> <laughs> like, something along those lines, which I thought was really Talk funny. Talk about narrow casting. I mean, come on. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what happens. Like, sometimes you can buy a birthday message for the radio guy to read. It's <laughs> yeah. like uh, his own Jumbotron. Um, the uh, It was this around the time where Anne Hathaway, despairing that her uh, soon-to-be-dead, spoiler alert, husband, is uh, <laughs> looks like he's unable to fish. She convinces him that he can still go out oh, God. by having, her, having him choke her like he would choke his fishing rod or something yeah, yeah. And if, if he has the strength to choke her with his hand then he must have the strength to hold a fishing rod they also introduce like kind of they don't really do it most of the movie and then at this point she starts calling him daddy with like reckless abandon and it's uh-huh. really upsetting yeah it's, yeah. it's gross <coughs> um so uh, they all converge on the him, boat. If she had called him Crawdaddy, people would have been like, who's this new character? I love him. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to Google that when I get out of the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> so they all converge on the boat. Um, Anne Hathaway and McConaughey go out on the boat with uh, Jason Clark. And? You know, plan- planning to kill. Well, let me get there. And, and, and Dill like, is, is in full-on crazy mode. He's like, ha ha, yeah. oh, uh, we're going to go fish. Ah, ooh, ah. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's pouring rum down Jason Clark's uh, throat, making uh-huh. him as drunk as possible, and everything looks uh, great for a murder. Mm-hmm. Whoa, what a day for a murder. Let's have one, too. Mm-hmm. And right at that moment, the kid shows up, the one that wanted a job. And Samson? Lane's son. Yeah, he had stowed away because he's like, I, I knew you really wanted me on the boat. I. I, I, so I forget what his reasoning was, but you know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I could tell you were Harry and the Hendersonsing me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I stowed away on your boat. If, so I'm here to help. If you're going to do that, you must be a true friend. So I'll stick by you through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, what adventures and, we shall have and quests we shall go on. <laughs> oh, what mm-hmm. the bards shall sing of us and our search for the uncatchable fish, justice. <laughs> so at this point, you know, McConaughey and Anne Hathaway are like, what are we going to do? There's a witness. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I wish I wish that Anne Hathaway had turned to Matt McConaughey and then tugged on her collar and went, goo. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they have a quick conversation in the uh, in the in the cabin being like, how do we handle all this? And they throw some things around that wouldn't work. And uh, and at this point, the, the justice uh, takes the bait. There's a fish on the line, and it happens to be Justice. And at this point, I was like, the second point in the movie, I'm like, oh, I know what's going to happen. So the way they dispatch Jason Clark finally is they let him take the rod when Justice is on the line. And like uh, McConaughey says very loudly to the kid, being like, let it be noted that uh, this guy has asked for the real. And, of course, Justice being Justice. Pulls uh, Jason okay. Clark under the water. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wish Matthew Monaghan had said, you hear that ringing? Justice is on the line. <laughs> but instead, what he says is, he's like, you, you see, he goes, that's justice. You got him. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's got you. And then they let go of Jason Clark, and he flies into the water uh, a, to drown. <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> okay. by Justice the Fish. He doesn't grow, it's not like the end of Shape of Water. He doesn't grow gills. And the important thing is, this is all intercut with, the son at his computer with a knife in front of him, mm-hmm. clearly, uh, you know, hamleting it about whether he's going to kill this guy. Yep. And at the moment that they finally uh, <laughs> kill For Jason in, Clark. He goes, he goes, to be or not to be. For in such games of fishing, what <laughs> <laughs> what tunas shall we catch? Like, that, he yeah. just, you know, does this little quick, but the, he, he mods it for this one. So, yeah, when the, when the imaginary abusive father dies is uh-huh. when he goes into the other room 
and uh, off-camera stabs the real father. Now, uh-huh. how is that information relayed to us that he has now stabbed his stepdad? Uh, there's a bunch of news reports uh-huh. about how this kid got uh, arrested for uh, murder, uh, and uh, but there's mitigating circumstances. There was abuse in the family. And here's his father's deal. Yeah, and they're, they're like, yeah. his, his dad, John Mason, died in Iraq, and we see his dad and was awarded a posthumous Purple Heart. We see his dad's picture in Purple Heart in Patrick's desk. My favorite part of the news report says, uh, his principal, Dylan Baker, says that he's a good kid and talented with computers. And it's like, why is yeah. this in the news report? One, why is this story on the news? Two, why is that in the news report? It's such a, uh, it's like the movie. And it's, I mean, the 24 hour news cycle, Elliot. You know, 24 yeah. right. hour news cycle, you got to fill. Yeah. Yeah. There's a so reason we know. Anderson Cooper twice each night. Did yeah. you did you mention that after he get uh, Jason Clark gets dragged under the 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 waves to be taken to Davy Jones's locker that Matthew <laughs> McConaughey like digitizes like the lawnmower man and disappears? no that's this later that comes later. up what? that hasn't happened yet that comes later um so yeah at this this is the point at which we learn oh, okay the real Matthew McConaughey McConaughey Prime died in Iraq <laughs> and that's part of and you saw that butt he is Prime Prime cut. <laughs> And that, along with the abuse, presumably also like is why this kid is withdrawn into this fantasy world where he has built mm-hmm. a fake dad. Well, well I he, mean, yeah. a real dad, but is but you know, it's, fake. it's well, revealed that he he had a memory when he was three. His dad took him fishing. They didn't catch anything, but they had a good time. But his dad got kind of mad, and that's why he's become he's associated his dad with fishing and also with never catching fish and anger and anger he was yeah. a terrible dad <laughs> he does come off as a bad dad a bad dad fishing he's a bad dad, dad fake dad, <laughs> dad <laughs> fake uh yeah so all the pieces are put together and mcconaughey goes and the well, phone Annie, Annie tells rings i guess Dill, he tells baker Dill, you'll find patrick somewhere and then she disappears everyone in plymouth island has disappeared by this point oh uh, yeah like so and much it, gut, junk code yeah, they all and, like open their mouths, and you get a uh, you get like a like a dial up modem connection sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> so now Matthew McConaughey is on the phone uh, to his kid, uh-huh. uh, like you know, fake life to real life. They're chatting, uh-huh. and because like, well, here's here's the thing. Like, I want to say before this, like, we see like a picture of the kid in like basically like a sanitarium type thing or not something like a, some, not even a picture film footage yeah <laughs> footage of him like there and like it becomes clear that he may not never like withdraw from this fantasy life well they say, they say on the news that he's been released to his mom's custody but he won't talk to anybody yeah and the thing is like the this movie at this point because there's about to be a reunion between father and son this movie is positing that it's a happy ending that this kid has gone crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Someone saw Brazil and they were like, oh, I love it. Oh, thank ending. God. <laughs> but uh, so they have a sentimental talk and the kid's like, you know, I'm going to redesign the game so I can come visit you sometimes. Again, the withdrawal into fantasy I was talking about. And at that point, because the game is being redesigned, the world around Matthew Piccanity splits into you know, polygons and shards <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, and it swirls around him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it looks awesome. is what we're trying to and, say. And then and, the, the end, it ends with Patrick appears in the game and runs off to, to Baker Dill's boat and they hug. And then the boat goes off into the distance and you got to assume, uh, you know, this is my spoiler <laughs> alert for what this, uh, what happens afterwards is, uh, his, his son is like, dad, is that 
what having sex is like. <laughs> Did I do I assu- that right? <laughs> I'm disappointed that the end didn't feature their boat like pulling up to an island covered in monsters like the end of Deep Rising, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Or like like a yeah, some cra- the, the, the aliens come by and start shooting at them, and Patrick's like, "I changed the game, Dad." <laughs> uh, okay. So we've told the story of Serenity. <laughs> Yay, we did. Yay. Let's, let's tell the story of our feelings about Serenity in Final Judgments. Is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of like? I want to go later, I feel like. <laughs> when do right. you, you guys take the wheel? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll handle it. Uh, I think this is a good, bad movie. Uh, I think it's really goofy, and it's fun to watch with other people, and it's dumb, and, you know, whatever. Enjoy. Yeah, I agree. It's a good bad movie, and it's like I mean, there's some icky, gross stuff about it. So you might oh, yeah, that's know not cool. who you're watching it with, but it's so over the top. Even before the stupid twist, it's so over the top in terms of its like sweat and noir sleaze quotient. And then once you get to the twist, you're like, movie. I knew that was gonna happen, movie, <laughs> but still, movie. It's a good good bad movie. AJ, I, I think this is one of my favorite good bad movies. I bought it because I'm excited to show it to everybody I know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. You know, someone ran into So this, this sounds like a we, warning. We sold one. We sold one. <laughs> I also realized my friend pointed out we were looking at uh, my uh, really just paltry iTunes movie collection, and I own two mm-hmm. Jason Clark movies. And the other is Our Lips Are Sealed, the Mary Kate Nashley movie that takes place in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I'm going to say something. Oh, my here. God. Oh, buckle our seatbelts. Uh, yeah, get a harness on. Yeah, guys, tie down, hold down oh your wig God. so it doesn't flip off. Everybody, I kind of like, I kind of like this movie. Kind of movie. Wow. Now here's what I'm going to say. For me, the biggest negative about this movie not enough is butt. that not enough Matthew McConaughey's butt. Yeah, sure. <laughs> is that it's a pretty damn trivial movie to take on so much like spousal abuse and child abuse. Like, yeah. like it like, doesn't, it does not deserve that as a plot point because it's such a silly movie dad in, in a war. Like all that, like it, all that stuff. It does not, it's, it's a slender read for the weight of all that trauma. Yes. That being said. So I love the first half because I love that tradition of super cheesy, mm-hmm. like uh hot weather, like sun baked noir. Mm-hmm. Like we're, like I said, sweats all over everything. Maybe someone wears a Panama hat. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, basically, Dan really loves burn notice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's less noir, but yeah, sure, why not? Uh, characters wel- welcome. Um, no, but like, I love that stuff. And I have to say, like, I don't know if you guys will agree with me, but I think it's hard to disagree. Even if this movie is very silly, it's shot very well. Like, it looks pretty beautiful all through it, I think. It so, has a, it does a weird thing where it introduces Anne Hathaway and Jason Clark in these I think they're supposed to be like character introductions from a video game like, like these shoo, yeah shoo, and it, the camera spins right. around and changes Yeah, I thought that tempo. was so weird. I, but I uh-huh. but there were some like shots of the water where I was like, wow, that's a really beautiful shot of the water. I mean, the I would say it is it looks it looks good. It is shot and edited in such a way that it is maximum melodrama. On in every oh, but shot. that, but and that's did, the. But it's all this, and it's like I know that's what they were going for, but they went so far with it that I was like, if this is not a comedy, then you're going too far with this. Well, I mean, the movie looks good. I will give it that. Yeah. Well, that's what. I, but like the maximum melodrama is another one of the things that I really like about it because it like for me this is a movie for people who are like really really into movies in a way because it 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 does like <laughs> cinephiles only no 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 i didn't say that i said CCM's like, like essentials 
Certainly. Whether it be like good movies or like <laughs> trashy movies, like the movie very much trades on your knowledge of this type of film and is like ramping up the melodrama because it's like kind of a silly version of a noir film. Yeah. I guess so. I guess you are you are kind of a I think we come from it. I mean, I do think it's a good bad movie. I think we're coming at it from two opposing things, which is that I agree that it is attempting those things. I think it doesn't pull them off as well yeah. as you do. It's the same. It reminds me of a what Mike Nelson wrote about the movie Wild Things where he was like the movie is trying to have it both ways that if you like it that's because it's like a, a clever thriller. But if you don't like it, well, it's tongue in cheek. It's you're supposed to laugh at it anyway. And this kind of feels like that to me a little bit. Uh, spoiler alert! I kind of like Wild Things. Of course, I mean, you that's not a spoiler. Things, yeah. Anybody I mean, who's listened to this podcast could probably piece that together. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, certain scenes from Wild Things, I'm sure you've seen many times. <laughs> As I said uh, before, the other thing, like once the movie turns from like that noir movie into this goofy sci-fi construct, I. Again, like I said earlier in the movie, I didn't think the twist was that bonkers because it's like other twists I've seen. So I at least appreciated that it got, the movie got rid of it pretty quick and then just committed to that idea with a lot of silliness. And, you know, I just liked the silliness. I wish I wish it had gotten even sillier. I wish that when he jumped into the water, you would have heard like, what? Like a Mario <laughs> jumping sound. Yeah, yeah. And I know she's yeah, some kind, of, some kind of some kind of some kind of death sound effect as he he goes in there. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe, a little ghost, a little ghost floats up. When somebody dies, they they dissolve away, and then there's like a big chunk of meat left on the ground that he can use uh-huh. as a power up. Yeah, as soon as as soon as he hits the water, he explodes into circles like Mega Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, what a yarn that was. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks. Every week, myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talking about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we host One Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. Whether you are a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. I, before children, yeah, definitely didn't think it was going to be this hard. Yeah. I'm going to ask my children to do X, Y, or Z, yeah. and they're going to do it. And I'm going to lead by example. They're yeah. going to know. They're going to do it because yeah. they're going to see me doing it. Right. And children naturally want to please adults. Yeah. You know what? I'll make it kind of fun. Yeah. And that'll be fun. Totally. But I, I won't necessarily use bribes. And I would never use threats. Right. That was my pre-child thinking. Yes. And, like, if somebody came in and saw us doing this, yeah. they would judge. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Find us on MaximumFun.org, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, we don't have any corporate sponsors, 
this week, but who needs corporations when you've got people? Corporations are people, my friend. What? <laughs> I'm in Romney. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, no, but we do topical, have a couple of topical. <laughs> we do have a couple of jumbotrons that I've emailed to each of my respective co-hosts to read on the air. That's okay, right. so fire this up. Coming to you live from Plymouth Radio. <laughs> this, uh, this is from Patrick to Baker Dill, and the message is: You want to catch that fish, don't you? <laughs> wink. Uh, so this message is for Ben. This message is also from Ben. Hello, idiot. (laughs) Just kidding. Congratulations for finishing your high school career. I hope that the cool as a cucumber tones of Stuart Wellington or the (laughs) sleep-deprived ramblings of Dan's solo ad reads are the perfect graduation gift. I wish you many college days of listening to the Flophouse instead of studying like you should be. Wormy boners, etc., etc. Congratulations, Ben. Yeah, that's very yeah. nice. I have. A, I, I mean, have a, I think. Yep. I will say, I think you probably should have used your graduation money for something else, uh-huh. uh, not getting us to talk to you. But <laughs> I appreciate the, the the support. Yeah, that's uh-huh. a, that's a nice segue to my jumbotron. This is a message for David, and the message. Yeah, is from, like you could have you could have spent that money on a segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the way class every, faster. It's the way everyone will be moving in the future. We're not going to need cars anymore. Um, this is a message for David, and it's from Eric. And David says to Eric, we love you, bro. Two years ago, you bought a Jumbotron for me as I began my South American, name of country withheld, adventure. Even though mom said it was the biggest waste of $100 she had ever heard of, I can think of no greater gift than to waste another $100 as you begin your new adventure with Bridget in name of city withheld, Illinois. That's very nice, too. That's great. These are some sweet Jumbotrons today. That's adorable. There are a couple of quick pieces of business uh, to get through before we move on. I'm going to keep them extra quick and say that the best way of finding out about both of these things is just to go to the Flophouse Podcast, or sorry, Flophouse Podcast, no, the FlophousePodcast.com. It's okay, Dan. We've only had the the website for 10 years. I have it open on my phone, too. Um, (laughs) That's because Squarespace makes it mobile optimized. (laughs) Yep. They did not pay us this time. Oh, no. mention Squarespace. If you go to the handy events page, you can see our four upcoming shows. If you want to uh-huh. go to one of those. Next it's one is in June Portland, 8th. Minneapolis, uh, Los Angeles, and Boston. But not uh-huh. in that order. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'd also like to take this moment to briefly plug... My wife and I opened a brand new bar. I think I mentioned it. I might have mentioned it here. I definitely mentioned it on other social media. Um, And it's a little baby bird of a business. So we would love your support and help. Uh, It's called Minnie's Bar, M-I-N-N-I-E apostrophe S. And it's in Sunset Park, Brooklyn uh, on 4th Avenue and 33rd Street. Come check it out. So if, uh, you know, like maybe even you've been around in New York and you're like, Kensington's too far from where I am. Uh-huh. Now you got another option. Yeah. Um, there was the other thing that I was going to say, though, about the website. If you go to the blog section, we are running that T-shirt contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so winners can choose a movie for us to talk about and get a tiny bit of scratch. Is there a deadline and for that contest, Dan? Deadline is the end of May. So just go there and all the May technical... May 31st, the last day of May. <laughs> yes. Go on. But <laughs> to why be put specific. a number on it? Let's just say <laughs> end of May. <laughs> the, well, I, 
Okay, I think you can figure out what I was hey, saying. Look, but look, look, the date ain't nothing but a number. Let's just say <laughs> May. <laughs> but all the technical specs of uh, what you got to do are on the blog. Yeah, when you say end of May, they might think, by the end of this movie May that I'm watching on demand? <laughs> That's crazy. How would he know that? So they're like, yeah, well, end of and why May, did you... which year? 2047? 2092? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I will say, uh, the live shows, the next one coming up is in June on June 8th in Portland, so that's, uh, by the time this episode comes out, only a few weeks away. So, get your tickets, <coughs> Portland, June 8th. Uh, okay. Let's move on to letters. Letters from listeners. Listeners like you. Letters. From listeners. And listeners. Like you. We're reading. Your letters. And loving. Your pancakes. (laughs) Hey, pancakes. Thanks for sending us pancakes. (laughs) We're eating all these pancakes. So many pancakes. Pancakes. (laughs) Pancakes. <laughs> That's the Crowd Daddy theme song. You know, the thing I think I love most about that letter song <laughs> is, that, is that it's not about letters. Rather, it's about pancakes. <laughs> oh, I missed that subtext. <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty. It's hidden pretty deep, just like in Serenity. The Justice theme is pretty pretty hard to see. So. Anyway, so uh, it's just like uh, it's just like that song "Born in the USA." I thought it was about being born in the USA, but it's actually about pancakes. <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. Pancakes okay, are kind this... of the letters of breakfast food because you can shape them like pancakes. Actually, you know what? Alphabets. Those are really Alphabets the, are the letters those are the letters of cereal. Of cereal. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> pancakes are kind of like the letters of of breakfast in that uh, they always tell you something you didn't know before. Do your pancakes <laughs> talk to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> this first letter. It's from Alex, last name withheld. Pete uh-huh. Keaton, sure. Who writes, uh, thanks for putting on such a great live show at Earlham. Come back to Indiana anytime. That's in reference to a show that we've done but not released that was about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which comes into play in paragraph two. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the annotations on this letter, Dan. <laughs> One element of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom that I love is that there's no uh, less than three scenes that relied on the T-Rex being stealthy. One of the most iconic scenes in the original Jurassic Park is the water cup scene. Yet here we are a few movies later, and this massive creature is apparently a master of the sneak and <laughs> pops out from the side of the frame once per act. <laughs> In that spirit, what are your most memorable times that a franchise has wildly ignored previously established rules, either for good or for bad? Thanks for the years of laughter. Alex, last name withheld. Something I'll, you may have not noticed while watching Jurassic World is that the Transformers, and it's pretty clear in a lot of shots, is wearing enormous slippers. <laughs> no. That's why he can sneak around much better, yeah. You would think he'd be wearing sneakers like <laughs> Theodore yeah. Rex, but... No, they, he tied copies, DVD copies of the movie Sneakers to his feet, and it made <laughs> oh, too wow. much noise. Um, okay, so uh, I've got a couple here. Like, one is real, like what he's talking about, and one they did specifically for effect. Uh-huh. Um, but in terms of uh, accidentally ignoring previously established rules, uh-huh. uh, I... So there's that moment in the Avengers, and uh, it uh, is explained with one. It, okay, it is explained with one line. I will give that to the movie, but in the most half-assed way possible. So Thor ends with it being a big fucking deal that the Bifrost is destroyed and he can't come back to Earth ever. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, in the Avengers, 
He just kind of shows up on Earth. Now, Loki has like a line being like, it must have taken all of Odin's magic to get you here. But it's like, okay, well, then if that's a fucking thing Odin can do, then why was it a big deal before? Like, Thor just shows up and we're just like, "Eh, whatever. Thor's here. Like, we're not going to worry about how. You seem really disappointed that Thor shows up in that movie. No, I I find, Yeah, I think he's great. Come on. But I think it's just a funny thing where it's like, okay, this was like the major thrust okay. of the sadness about the last movie, like where he's like, I'll never see my beloved Jane again. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, I can go anytime. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to let my dad rest up a little bit and then yeah, he can yeah. send me back. I think, that, I think that was when they thought that Thor would not do particularly well. And they're like, mm. Mm, we'll end it on a tragic note. Uh, another one. We'll send him back to his home planet. It's uh, like, like at the end of the first season of the TV show Sledgehammer. Uh, they were so sure they would not get a second season that they blew up the earth at the end. And then they do the second <laughs> season. So the second season takes place, I think, a year before the first season. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, the other one I want to say is like, like they do it intentionally. Like they're making a joke out of it. But I like the moment. Um, so Return of the Living Dead isn't like a, a direct sequel to Night of the Living Dead. Because, uh-huh. uh, I mean, it's, it it's like, I think, produced or co-written or something. Like there's some connection to it where like one of the guys who work who like co-wrote Night of the Living Dead has access to some of the rights which allow him to make other zombie movies but not official Night of the Living Dead sequels. Uh-huh. And so uh Return of the Living Dead is kind of a quasi sequel in that way, mm-hmm. but they make a point of the kid being like, "Oh, shoot him in the head." Like that's what they did in Night of the Living Dead and it worked and they do it and it doesn't work and he's like, "Oh, the movie lied." Which is a fun little moment where you realize, oh, these people are fucked because these zombies don't really die. <clears throat> now, uh, yeah, those are great. That's all. Pause for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's my time to talk. Uh, yeah. Well, so uh, are there any? Yeah, I would say an example of a of a sequel forgetting the rules. I would say Attack of the Clones, of course, forgets Metaclorians, which is terrible. <laughs> as soon as you take science out of Star Wars, it becomes less fun. Uh, and then uh, Halloween 3, they forget the rule that it has to have Michael Myers. <laughs> but I think it works out for the better because I like it. I think the uh, it's not necessarily like ignoring the rules in previous installments, but like the way that the Star Wars prequels kind of like they take some things from the like the the idea of uh, I just I was thinking about this the other day that the idea of Yoda as a distinguished figure who like is every who is the head of an organization I found mm-hmm. so so like baffling compared to the Yoda we see who is like this hilarious like trickster hermit monk mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah just seems like a waste you know uh, yeah I don't have any that are like really a rule being ignored but I do want to take this opportunity to talk about my frustration that the princess uh, diaries too uh, they really uh-huh. go ahead and just ignore the relationship that the entire first movie spent establishing mm. with uh, with uh, me and Anders. Michael and uh, oh. as they're no because uh, the, so there's another Anne Hathaway goof I guess uh, but so the entire first movie it's like is she going to get together with Michael and we're all really rooting for it and everything and the second movie she's on a plane and she's like we're friends and immediately like goes in uh, Chris Pine's love interest and it's, it's just always bothered me mm, yeah that in between the movies she friend zoned him yeah yeah uh so it just undercuts the struggle of the first movie yeah, yeah it's this... like well, what was the point 
And I think I think in the in the last <laughs> It's like sh- watching the Princess Diaries had no point. <laughs> <laughs> in the last Fifty Shades of Grey movie, they forget the rule from the first movie that there are no real estate agents in Aspen named Gia Mateo with famously great <laughs> boobs. <laughs> all right and then they uh, introduce this character G. Mateo and Aspen real estate agent and everyone's talking about her boobs all the time it's like movies what are you doing <laughs> so this next letter is from Michael Lastning withheld who writes dear Flophousers I was recently watching through the Scooby movies no not the new Scooby-Doo movies the unwisely named TV series from the 70s nor the two live action movies that premiered in theaters uh-huh. I didn't care for those but the, the at least 40 direct-to-video Scooby movies some are surprisingly really good. Uh, we might need to fact check this letter. But <laughs> <laughs> Do any of you have direct-to-video movies you're really fond of, despite their smaller scale and more commercial nature? Sincerely, Michael Lasting withheld. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I'll field this one. Uh, uh, I actually, I feel like this is, the thing your is, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I actually realize. only like movies that come out uh, in movie theaters. Uh, <laughs> oh. If you check back at all of my recommendations, I've ne- never recommended a movie that hasn't been on the silver screen at some point. So, <laughs> Michael, I think you're barking up the wrong tree or wrong Matthew McConaughey in this case. <laughs> Uh, I think that Stuart mispronounced Ninja Shadow of a Tear. <laughs> he gave that <laughs> yep. response. Oh, yeah. I guess uh, I guess there's one instance of me recommending <laughs> something that wasn't in theaters. How many Universal Soldier direct-to-video sequels <laughs> did you recommend? Oh, I guess those count, too, huh? Uh, <laughs> I want to say uh, two of my favorites, I don't know if they like – like it's it's a weird area – I, I mean, hundred percent. You're going to recommend the boyfriend school, right? No, okay. no, no. I like. I don't, don't know. That, was a, that was a major motion picture. That was in theaters. Yeah, I. I don't know if the two ones I have technically count. So I'll give another answer afterwards. But like, the my two favorite ones that come to mind were movies that, uh, either were intended for theatrical release originally, or were released in another country. But here we're only direct to video. Wait, mm-hmm. is it is one of them about an off road adventure that involves a bikini, and is it great? No. No. Uh, one of them is... Is it, a, uh, is it an Emmanuel sequel? Tri- <laughs> one, of them is, in space? <laughs> one of them is Trick or Treat, the Michael Doherty uh, anthology horror Ooh, series set at Halloween. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, never got released theatrically, but I enjoyed it a lot. And The Wrong Guy, the Dave Foley movie that oh, I think was right. released in Canada, but not here ever. Well, weird that it would get re- released in Canada. <laughs> Uh, but if those are not, if those don't actually technically count to you, I will say that speaking of wild things, uh, <laughs> I uh, very much enjoy the direct-to-video Wild Things and Cruel Intentions sequels because mm-hmm. uh, those direct-to-video versions posit the question: What if those movies but trashier? Yeah. <laughs> so they're fun. It really if you like that them kind up of thing. They don't have big name stars in them. Yeah. I feel like uh, when I was growing up, they just like were doing a ton of Disney direct-to-video sequels. Oh, yeah. And I have a lot of affection for them because some of them I was more the right age for than the original. Like, um, I think I've probably watched the Aladdin sequels more times than I've watched original Return Aladdin. Return of Jafar. Return of Jafar and Aladdin and the Forty Thieves, uh, which is the third one. Mm-hmm. I've watched that one maybe the most of all of them, actually. <laughs> and the extremely goofy movie, which I think is uh again i don't know i have affection for it and that was like the question is like if you're fond of it not whether yeah. i necessarily think they're good and then my other answer is um cannibal the musical trey parker's movie from college i don't think ever came out in theaters yeah yeah, yeah. 
Elliot, did you have one? I forgot whether you talked. No, I, 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 I don't. It's I don't have any in particular. I have to admit. Uh, okay. I, I feel like I was more of a uh, TV movie watcher for most of my mm. life than a direct-to-video release. Because when I was young, I didn't watch a lot of horror movies because uh, yeah. they were too scaly. And then, uh, so I missed out on a lot of the oh, ones noir that, kid was back for a second. Yeah, I'm a noir guy. I like the suggestion of violence and occasionally something kind of like a weighty being pushed down a staircase like in uh, in uh, Kiss of Death. <laughs> Sudden feel. <laughs> Anybody want to watch Hitchhiker? Yeah, you want to maybe Night in the City with Witch and Widmark? <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, okay. Uh, the thing that's letter. great about Noir Kid is that he's immediately relatable. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows one of those. I, w- I went uh, to the kids on the playground and I said, "Want to watch Sawy Wong Number with Bob Westanwick?" <laughs> uh, is that a Noir? Oh, of course it is. Sorry, wrong huh? number. Yeah. It's a suspense thriller. I'd call it a noir. It's more of a thriller, right? Yeah. All right. right. Maybe it's more of a suspense thriller. Uh, you, got, you guys shouldn't split hairs. <laughs> <laughs> Film noir is, a, is an open genre. Okay. Well, well, maybe instead of that, I should have mentioned Cornell Woolwich is the big combo. <laughs> so, Jenny, you got any of these you want to chime in with? Uh, uh, noir films said in a child's <laughs> accent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thick, thick. I think they've all been covered. I think. Okay. The question is: Is a movie like a Maltese Falcon really noir? See, that's the thing is, I was sweet? like, I was worried anything that I brought up, I was gonna like, oh, this is gonna get picked apart. And yeah, I'm not confident enough in my noir taste. Because is noir kid is an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pick, a, pick that, apart your choices. That may have seemed like I was making fun of Jenny for not knowing film noir films. I was really trying to make fun of us. Yeah. We're knowing too many. <laughs> I, ne- I never forget when a kid, he wanted to watch Wedwalk West, and I'm like, I guess that's a neo-noir, but <laughs> I like film noir. Uh, I was about so to say, one. I saw a kiss before dying at uh, at uh, the noir festival recently, and I just don't know if that counts because, again, it's more of a throwback. <laughs> ah, there you go. And and guys, do you wanna you guys wanna clarify that we're making fun of the way a baby would talk and not making fun of people with actual speech impediments, no, right? Not. Yeah, this we're is the Elliot's impression of a baby. This is the this is the disclaimers. Talks like yeah, this is the disclaimers part of the podcast. No, if if an adult talking like that is nothing to laugh about, everyone has their challenges in communicating, and we all have the things about. The way we speak, they're distinctive to us, but a baby talking like that is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This last letter is from Bill Last Name Withheld. The joke is that a baby likes film noir movies. Okay. Okay. Bill Last Name Withheld says, hey, y'all. I took an intro to film class in my college years, and I really enjoyed it and got exposed to movies I probably would have never seen on my own, like His Girl Friday, Do the Right Thing, and Crimes and Misdemeanors. The morning following each screening, we had a quiz, and after watching Roger and Me... One of the questions was, why was this movie not played in Flint, Michigan? With the correct answer being, because the movie's theaters had closed down as revealed in the credits. Everyone got this question wrong because no one stuck around for the credits. Our instructor told us that he had asked the question because we all left during the credits, which are part of the movie, and thus we should have stayed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, get to that, we get to that at the end of the Was that instructor Kevin Feige? <laughs> Yeah, there might have been something for the next movie in the the Michael Moore universe. Apart from giving credit to the cast and crew, I've never thought the credits hold any real significance in terms of plot or storytelling. Was I wrong in my assumption? Are there films where the credits actually add to the movie? Or is this just a typical 
power trip young college instructor move to assert dominance over a bunch of undergrads. Yes. Bill, last name withheld. It was th- <laughs> <laughs> it was that. Uh, I do think that sometimes credits have some I mean, sort some, of extra they have, value. They can have value. They can have like joke. I mean, I guess the closest I can think of is in the Pixar movies. Sometimes they'll have yeah. pictures next to the credits that like continue the story a little or bit. Or blooper reels. Or the, the fake the bloopers. Fake, bloop, fake bloopers. But like in Up, there's a bunch of like fake photos that are on the side of the screen during the credits that like show uh, Carl and uh, what's the boy's name? Um, Russell. And Russell's kind of relationship continuing after this adventure and some of the fun they're having. But like, that's not really the credits. It's like going on yeah. in the credits. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I was going to say, I don't know whether uh, this is just like the words of the credits themselves or mm-hmm. whether you can talk about things that happen during the credits. But I've got a quick answer for each one. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. And then I've got a quick answer for one of them. But you go for there's, it. There's like Zucker Abrams Zucker things where there's jokes in the credits. Mm-hmm. So you've got that kind of thing. And there's like. Something like seven, where simply reversing the super dire- twisted. Some with something. <laughs> no, I think that something as simple as reversing the direction that credits normally scroll is very unsettling at the end of an unsettling movie. So there's those things. Um, I mean, you have like Gremlins too, where Daffy Duck keeps coming out and talking to the audience during the credits, <clears throat> but it's so unrelated to the rest of the film that it. Yeah. That there's a. But the other way, sorry. The other thing, like the, in terms of like actually continuing the story. Uh, I know that it's weird that we've talked about Wild Things so much, but I like the ending credits of Wild <laughs> Things where they literally just intersperse. I'm surprised. Like, I'm surprised you made it through to the end of the credits. I would have thought you would have finished <laughs> watching the movie during yeah. uh, one particular scene and then maybe rewound it and watched it again and then return the video unrewound to the beginning to the rental store. You know, it could be, but the the end of the the movie, like they're interspersed with uh, quick scenes that show you stuff you weren't. The, like the 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 camera was not there for the first time around, filling in holes and kind of explaining the entire plot, which is kind of fun, like to handle it that way with just these like quick cuts during the credits of like, and if you want it spelled out for you even more, here you go. Like, uh, mm-hmm. the one thing this is like not really. I don't know if this is adding anything. It added to my enjoyment of the movie though. But in uh, Fateful Findings, at the end of the credits. Uh, the very last thing Neil Breen specifies is that any credit listed where the person's name it had it starts with an N B, like where those are the initials, that was Neil Breen, which means he goes through the entire credits listing like other people doing catering and hair and whatever, and then at the very end of the credits he's like, also those were me. That's twist ending twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it M- enhances my enjoyment of the movie, certainly. <laughs> he's the totally. M.I. Shyamalan of credits. Yeah. I would say there's like at the end of the movie Skadoo. Harry Nielsen sings all the credits mm-hmm. as they come up on screen, but like that, I don't know if that really counts the same way. Like it's the most fun thing in the movie Skidoo, but I uh, well, the end credits in Return of the King uh, enhances my enjoyment by making me cry when I see all those characters. And uh, I'm not, I love I love the I'm I'm sure I mentioned this before on the show, but I love the end credit sequence of uh, Michael Clayton where the camera just stays on George oh, Clooney's face. Yeah, that is great. Um, the point okay. is, this guy's professor is a jerk. Yeah, he's a jerk. Yeah. And uh, unless you're going to sit through all of the Avengers credits to watch each of the actors sign their names on the mm-hmm. credits, then don't worry about it. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, did, did you not see <laughs> the credits of Avengers Endgame? I didn't see it. Oh, you haven't seen it? I at, spoiled it for myself. I didn't care. No, at the end, during the, they, and this wasn't spoiled, in the middle of the credits, they, have, they go through the whole cast, the secondary cast. Then for each of the members of the original Avengers team, they get like a glamour shot 
like in a like in a cologne ad, and they yeah. and there's they their signature animates on on screen. So like and uh, ending with Robert Denny Jr. So it's like Jeremy Renner's. So the first thing you see is Jeremy Renner and then his signature writing on screen, and you're like, what is going on That's here? So weird. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> Um, okay, well, yeah, it's like a less classy version of the end of Return of the King. Check out, <laughs> guys, check out this cool segue. So that's the end of that segment. Uh-huh. Yeah. On to our last segment. <laughs> okay. Which is called Recommendations. Well, you're a radio professional. You should be on Plymouth <laughs> Island radio. <laughs> These are movies that, I mean, look, I'm not going to say watch them instead of Serenity. Like, why choose? As the inter- internet says, why not both? But uh, <laughs> other recommendations. Stuart, you look like you're champing at the bit uh-huh. <laughs> well chomping. i'm looking i'm looking at you because this recommendation is also a little bit of a, a little bit of a class for dan uh <laughs> I, <laughs> i'm recommending a movie that does feature the actor jackie chan in it <laughs> <laughs> how is dan gonna know for sure how can you remember that <laughs> well, yeah well th- that's what i'm i'm here for um i i just recently got my criterion collection blu-ray of police story and police story 2 and I hadn't seen them in a long time, and they're great. I They're some of Jackie Chan's best movies. I don't know if Police Story edges out Drunken Master 2 for me, but it's close. And I, 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 watched, uh, I watched Endgame the same day that I rewatched uh, my Police Story Blu-ray, and none of the special effects in Avengers made me like, as shocked as the stuff that Jackie Chan does to these poor guys who dare attack him around a set of uh, cars. So, or in a, in a shopping mall. I mean, he's amazing. What a, what a treasure. Yeah. I have a recommendation of a movie I saw just last night. Um, I called serenity. You well, I try him. not. I like, if I can, I try not to recommend major movies in theaters. Cause well, why do they need my support? Um, but I've been away for a week and I haven't seen a lot. So, and this was a movie I genuinely liked. So, keeping with the theme of awesome fights, mm-hmm. I saw John Wick three. Uh-huh. And oh, Doctor, if you like those John Wicks, uh-huh. this is one of the John Wickiest. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, you're telling a doctor to prescribe more John Wick to people? Yeah. Okay, so, I gotta have it, Doc. <laughs> but um, in years from now, we're gonna find out that John Wick was actually contributing to an epidemic of suicides <laughs> in the Midwest. And Dan is going to be sued, I guess, for the damages for forcing doctors to recommend John Wick to their patients when they didn't need it. <laughs> Look, if you see John Wick, it's worth it, guys. But um, but doctor, I am John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go, whoa. <laughs> um, no, I, I, well, I just want to say quick that I liked it, especially because I feel like the first John Wick is such a simple concept that you can understand it's like the classic you fucked with the wrong guy uh-huh. movie and uh it's pretty stripped down it, like what's notable about it is it's got great fight scenes uh-huh. uh the second movie becomes like like much more weirdly like we're gonna jump into a fantasy land uh-huh. where there's a whole like assassin's creed if you will uh-huh. and <laughs> yeah, all, some, like some uh switchboard manned only by suicide girls in yeah, yeah exactly. girl clothing it's a uh, hotel for dogs if you will except instead of dogs it's assassins yeah there's a rich <laughs> mythology of assassins all of a sudden john wick too and i i like that okay but it felt like it come down from the 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 economy of the first movie but the third movie makes that all worthwhile by pushing it so far into silliness uh-huh. That like the movie is basically a comedy at this point, a comedy about like this assassin world where like all five million assassins on the earth are going after John Wick. 
And it's just like just a crazy concept. Like early in the movie, a guy gets <laughs> You don't like, have to explain that no, like crazy. John Wick's like, crazy. In the real no. world, there is not a secret <laughs> million strong economy of assassins. But, but in the John like, Wick world. But also like non-assassins, like early in the movie, uh John Wick is taking a taxi somewhere. Spoilers. And he, and he has to <laughs> I'll keep it as vague as possible. And he has to get out and uh, like as you have do ta- when you're done with your taxi. No, no, he has to get out. Stay and live there. No, uh, Ali, he has to get like he's trying to get somewhere. He can't get there because of traffic, so he has to get out. But he has the taxi driver transport something for him, and the driver's like, "Sure, Mister Wick." And it's like, okay, we live in a world where not only do other assassins know John Wick, but like normal taxi drivers do too, apparently. Um. He's a famous assassin. They advertise on TV in the John Wick world. It's super funny. And I also, I think Keanu Reeves is really good in this world because even though he's like this insanely unstoppable, uh, unrealistic character on the one hand, he also like when he's in a fight, he has the same talent that Harrison Ford has where it's like, you can see him looking exhausted. You can see him like not wanting to fight anymore. You can see him like take actual damage during the movie and uh-huh. be exasperated by everything that's mm-hmm. happening. Like Jackie Chan. And it's good. <laughs> no, I mean like it's great. Like as, whenever you can humanize like your unstoppable fighting force like that, it's a lot more fun. Yeah. Uh, so that's my recommendation. So Jenny, do you have a recommendation? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's another like movie that's in theaters. It's the last one I saw. I really liked long shot. I thought it was really fun. Yep. Right. That's great. Another, that's, that's another, all. another. Thanks, movie thanks for avoiding spoilers for us. <laughs> yeah, no spoilers. Yeah. Oh right, sorry. We got to stay through the credits for that one for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Is that all you have to say about Longshot? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a good movie. It's fun. I'm going to recommend a movie that's not in theaters unless you're in Germany in 1974, and that's a movie called Alice in the Cities, uh, and it's a Vim Vendors movie about a uh, a German writer he's a journalist but he has lost kind of his will to live in a way while he's been traveling through america and in he gets to new york and a friend of his who's a single mother basically says hey can you take my daughter to the empire state building and i'll meet up with you later in the day he takes her there and then realizes oh this was a way of this mother basically abandoning her daughter and now she's my charge but i don't want to be a dad so i've got to figure out where to drop her off and they travel from city to city in europe trying on this search for the girl's grandmother, and all the girl remembers is, I remember what her house looks like, but I don't remember where it is or what my grandmother's name is. And the two of them, of course, they give each other a reason to keep living, but uh, I thought it was a really good movie and, like, very, like, funny at times, but also genuinely, like, sad in the way you would assume a German movie from Vin Vendors in the 70s would be. Uh, And it was, at the beginning of it, it was great seeing New York through the eyes of someone who was not a New Yorker. Like I've seen the like Woody Allen, you know, kind of Spike Lee New York where it's someone who knows the place and to see it through the eyes of somebody who is not a native was really cool. It just made things I had seen before look a little different. Uh, But I just thought it was a really good movie and I'm not usually a big road movies person, but this was a good road movie. So Alice in the Cities is the movie I'm recommending. So we've all said a movie. Mm -hmm. We fulfilled our quota. Yep. <laughs> which means our curse is lifted. <laughs> which means it's time for the show to end. Uh-huh. And uh, before we say all our usual usual bullshit, wait, wait Dan, wait, wait what? what? Gonna, yeah, what are we going to say? And then I'll tell you. I'll reveal something to you. But what are we going to say? Okay. Before we say all our usual bullshit, and perhaps afterwards too. Why not? It'd be nice. I'd like to thank our guest Jenny Jaffe. 
Thank you guys so much for having me. This was very fun. Thank you so much for being here as part of our game because, Dan, I'm here to tell what? you, this isn't what? a podcast. What? No, this is a computer game uh, put together no. yeah. by your cat. Your cat. What? <laughs> Your, your cat Archie. He's so good at computers. He's so good at computers that he took a podcasting video game. Oh, God, uh-huh. and he made it about you. Because yeah, you together. should have known that such lame bits as Crawdaddy. And <laughs> Excuse me, uh, Crawdaddy is a great bit. Future <laughs> classic bit. Any cat that could envision Crawdaddy is clearly the smartest of all cats. Uh, but Dan, so there's only one way to win this game. Oh no, uh, you got to end the podcast properly. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay, well, I thanks our guests, uh-huh. and now I should probably say, you know, hashtag us on Twitter, spread the word, review us on iTunes, please, you know, do it if you have something nice to say. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't have something nice to say, why are you spending the time? You're yeah, losing the game, Dan, you're losing the game. <laughs> um, uh, all that stuff, go to MaximumFun.org for all the great shows on our network. They're uh, lovely people, and Stuart, you look like you have something to say. Yeah, I've been Stuart Wellington of the Flophouse Podcast. Oh, Thanks for listening. <laughs> I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Jenny Jaffe. And this is Elliot Kalen. Thanks again, Jenny. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Pick up some tickets to a Flophouse live show. Why not? Dan, I've got good news. You won the game. All right, that's a nice ending. <laughs> Bye. Okay, Bye. You, you lost it. Sh- At the very end, you lost it. We're gonna uh, what? What man are we gonna do? We're gonna do this man. Just, <laughs> Is it Matthew McConaughey? Because I saw a lot of his butt in the movie. He looks I mean, great. A waste of how good he looked. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.